together at my place tomorrow night. Just like a few internet friends. You should swing by. Really? Totally. Okay. All right. That sounds awesome. All right, I'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> awesome. Yes! I am back! another week of the SVS Fly Fishing Podcast. We are all together tonight in this lovely Urban Fly Company studio. What is going on, brothers? I haven't seen you guys in so long. Mm, this is nice. We we'll have to stare through a phone again. It is. A, it's a lot better. It's a lot better. It's a lot cleaner this way. Uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to get into a flow when you, you know. You, you can have point the time it, limits and yeah, you just it's a little different. The yeah. phone you can point it at a phone as much as you want, but who knows who you're pointing at? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I point at the top right corner of my phone, and I'm pointing at Mark, but someone else might be pointing at. Think I'm pointing at Jace. You know what I mean? From talking to friends and you know other listeners, people who you know tune in, uh, the first one was a little rough, and I felt like everybody felt like it got a little better after that, but. 
At least we all get to talk into the microphones again. I rubbed my nose on my microphone. It's been so long. I missed you. I missed you, microphone. You, you had to get your old funky breath. Smell. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, before we uh, bury the lead, Mark said he's never heard this song. Negative. This was the vibe on the... Uh, on the that's, that's a nice thing about, uh, you know, yeah... We old Uncle Scott, you know, when you when you float <laughs> with old, when you float with old Uncle Scott, you know, he knows everything from the nineties and all that stuff that you love, that grew up with. So, you know, it goes real easy and real well with the music flow. <laughs> yeah, that, for some reason we brought the song up yesterday, and uh, you know, I was rowing, it was, it was windy, and it was windy. I threw the song on, and. I don't think they made it past the first verse and a 17-inch smallmouth came in the boat. He said, inform, bam, fish on. <laughs> so, well, hey, tonight's show is brought to us by Predator Fly Gear. Check them out at predatorflygear.com. Eric Sooks, freshwater, saltwater, check them out at ericsooks.com. Eric, oh, Eric Sooks again. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. In, again, uh, no, Sims Fishing. Uh, I've, I've been looking. I'm going to get some sandals, some, some lightweight stuff for summer, not some uh, lightweight pants, wading pants. Get all your summer stuff. I'm ready for a pair of the high boots. Oh, yeah. You know, my, my high boots got a big hole in them. So, uh, I got I'm a re- pair of theirs in this week. They're too big, but they're nice. I'm ready. Switch them up. Yeah. So, get all your, out, or all your summer gear at simsfishing.com. Hey, tonight's show is being broadcast to you live from the Predator Fly Gear Studios. Check them out. Or not Predator Flagger. I'm sorry. Jesus. We're all... Yeah. That no, Jesus too. Christ. Hey, yeah, get us hey, back in a room yeah, together. We are a little rusty. Yep. <laughs> Starting off well. Ooh. We are brought to you live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check them out yeah. at urbanflycompany.com. Mark has a couple flies floating around this table tonight that, my God, are awesome. And uh, some of the... Or one of them, at least, is uh, tried and true. Yeah, that one's got a little stink to it. And also, I check out Why Not Fishing, their app, the dock. Yeti, built for the wild. Hey, and if you are tying in this uh, quarantine situation, get some materials from uh, Queen City Guiding. Check them out at queencityguiding.com. Now what? Back to the informer. (laughs) (laughs) Now what do we do? uh, You know what? I think we should tell a little story. About a guest that's coming on this evening. His name is Mr. John Driscoll from Naples, Florida. He's going to do a little bit of tarpon talk, do a little bit of a peacock bass talk. I want to hear about the dogs. <clears throat> oh, he has dogs that look like Spuds McKenzie. I, my <laughs> wife had never heard of Spuds McKenzie. Oh, she's too young. Yeah, and I was like, he uh, in late 80s. She was born, you know, 87, I'd say. Yeah, 88, 88. So she wouldn't have remembered it, but yeah. Wait, spaghetti. Mark, her. do you know Spuds McKenzie? That's a negative head shake no. for everyone. Yeah. We are old, Jay. We are. <laughs> staring, staring 40 right down the barrel. Not, not, well, in the next few years. Another, th- oh, if, if we can just get off on stupid stories, just to, you know, I got to get this one off. It was great. That's so what we're, 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 we, we're coming home from uh, fishing the other day. We fished that little pond with my wife and my kid, you know, we're catching bluegills, dunking bait and stuff. <laughs> we're going down the road and. There's some cool stories from that I'll get to, but we're going down the road, and my wife, she looks over, and, you know, people around here, they chain more than just their dogs to trees, you know? Mm. Sometimes you'll see a goat. I've seen goats. 
goats and yards, you know. I've seen right across from Trailer Park. There's one my entire childhood. Yes, yes, <laughs> right down the road from Chad. There was one <laughs> Hefe. Uh, Steve and I named them. Um, but this one, you know, it was out. And she, we go past this house. She looks over and she goes, "Oh my God, Jason, we have to stop. We have to rescue that dog. We have." I'm like, "That dog looks messed up. Something's wrong with it." I'm like, "Babe, that's because it wasn't a dog. It was a goat." <laughs> That dog has horns. It's been chained too long. <laughs> she just, and she just looks at me. Oh, she just dies. You know, starts dying laughing. So, <laughs> uh, sometimes my wife is a little blonder than she is redheaded. You should tell the story about uh, the eagle that you saw on yeah. that trip. Oh yeah, and you know I've been trying to. My kid, she's been getting a little fed up with the floats. You know, I've been taking them on family floats, and kids have a long, hard time lasting, you know, more than six hours and being into something and that isn't, you know, something stupid, you know, I mean, like a tablet or, you know, whatever, you know, staring at a screen of some sort or, you know, so trying to get her out as much as possible. So we get out and first thing she sees is there's a lot of osprey nests out, you know, near our dam. And first thing she, you know, she sees osprey coming in, feeding their chicks food and stuff. So that was cool. I was like, see, you wouldn't see, see that sitting on the couch and sees the nice big centipede. We fish away, blah, blah, blah. Have a great time. They're just, you know, catching bunches of bluegills and everything. And we go, but we pull the boat out. And I just tell my wife, I'm like, we're just going to go right down here and then we'll strap it in. Because, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a hectic takeout, especially with a wife and a me. You know, with, when I have you two ogres with me. It's a little easier, you know. <laughs> we could chat on the front of that thing. He could pick up the damn raft by himself. <laughs> so we get out of there and we pull down, strap it in, and we go a little further down, like the swimming area, and make a little U-turn. And man, we see this osprey, and he's got a big fish in his in, in his talons. They have talons, right? They have talons. They're not they're not turkeys, right? They have talons. So, <laughs> so you know, he's flying along, but no, this eagle, this bald eagle, comes down, and I mean, just pounds into the side of this osprey this osprey drops this fish and the eagle now just changes his his uh trajectory it just changes immediately like on a dime and just goes the opposite way grabs this fish out of midair and then just soars off and i mean is gone beelines and is and the two osprey now like they actually are after him and they're gone you know we don't see him again right after that but it was the coolest thing to see for him that he bashes into that other bird Bird drops the f- the fish, then he just swoops down, grabs the fish, and is gone. I'm like, wow. So what you're saying is that bald eagle is no better than a purse snatcher in New York City. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He, and, and, <laughs> he was boss. At, you know, you'd think they'd earn their own meal, but no, they, they're they're grimy. They'll get it any which way they can. I'm sure he has young to feed, too. It's probably a she if they have young. Whatever it is. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool to see, though, and my wife was, you know, jaw just dropped down to the you know, floor, and I'm like, see, again, we're not out here having fun you doing this. You know what you're going to see. You're, you're not going to see that type of shit. And the, the craziest thing to me is, like, if we would have taken the boat out three minutes later, we wouldn't have saw that. It's perfect timing. So. Like I said, I, I saw one on Thursday night as well uh, coming up my road. It, was, it just picked a squirrel off and was flying... Because uh, the road down here, it just drops down the side of a hill. And I was coming up the hill, and the, the eagle was flying, like, flat. So it, it was, like, 15 feet above my head. And I saw the squirrel still kind of, like, shaking in its talons. It was flying back toward the creek, or toward the river. When they're that close to you, they seem like they're giant, too. Oh, it felt like it was they bigger than my truck. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. 
That's cool stuff to see. It was probably they probably got a score because the river was blown out and they couldn't see and it was really muddy, couldn't see anything in the river. That's my guess. Yeah, we got hammered. Yeah. Wow. It went from like, you know, like being two optimal. inches of rain in three hours. Yeah. To it's like over two thousand CFS now. They bumped up again. Did they? I've I haven't checked it. Yeah, it's way up there now. Well, right before them storms hit was a Thursday. Or was that Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday. Thursday, I went mushroom hunting, and yeah. my friend said his woods were a swamp. Yeah, my dad called. Hey, I'm catching crappie. Run up. And it like, had already started blowing up on the far east end of it. And they had some good fish at that point, so it muddied all that end up. So we packed up, moved down to the other end, got on fish there. We probably sat on fish for two and a half hours. That was, that was something different, a little fun. So have you been eating crappie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, we yeah. got a shroom hunter just entering the, enter the room. Bet your crappie oh. doesn't Oops. Wrong, wrong one. Put wrong your mic one. on. It's on. There we go. <laughs> there we go. I'll, I'll bet your crappie against mine. Cooked. <laughs> Negative. How you doing it? Just deep frying it? Butter. No. no. Every variation. Negative. I don't do egg wash. I hate egg wash. Water, and then you go right into the breading. Couple different kinds of breading. What? Mm-hmm. Pan fried, just regular in a cast iron. No, not in, not like deep fried. You're talking just no, just pan fried and oil in a cast iron. A little oil in a cast iron. That's all. Yeah, uh, yeah. I that's don't know. The way. I like it. I've you cooked got, uh, plenty um, of deep fried. A little bit of Zatarans, a little bit of regular Italian, and then there's another one that you have to order. It's out of North Carolina. Oh. Mix the three of them together. It is, is the best. Is that the one your dad was telling me about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we just buy it by... They'll actually sell it by like a 30-pound sack now, like a big thing of flour. So we just buy it by there. Oh, it's the best. They mix all three of them up, but I like water. I don't like that egg wash in it. Just keep them in a bag like a Ziploc and just give them a little shake, throw them in, pat them down good, straight into the cast iron. Oh, My, mine's all perfect. exterior. Whatever I'm mm-hmm. cooking inside has gone. It's consumed by the exterior. You know what I'm saying? Like my kids, they it could be dinosaur meat. They wouldn't give a shit. They'll you know eat it like carnivores. <laughs> oh, this is this is like this is not some kind of nugget. You know, it, that's my wife made a fried buffalo uh, cauliflower on Wednesday or Thursday night, and we were eating it. and We were like, yeah, yeah. Uh. I finally came to the conclusion. I said, Ashley, this is just a good vessel to eat buffalo sauce. Just another <laughs> yep. another reason to do it. Yeah. Just another reason to eat <clears throat> buffalo sauce. You were, but you came over. I think it was right after some of that was happening, and you uh, you saw some other stuff up up where you're catching them crappie that get, got you intrigued on maybe some other fishing. Right? Yeah, there's some decent pike going on the whole time too. I mean, in all them trees, there was pike in them and some really decent fish. Mid where are like, uh-huh, are yeah, like they're going to be multiple spots in some area where like, I wouldn't really expect stuff to be at. I'm talking way out there, <sighs> way out, out past where you go down that one road where you drop off. Yeah. I mean, out it's past that. right now the, the lake is got a lot more water than it did Ooh. a week, you know, before we hit that heavy rain. Well, so. let's put it this way. That, that was all before the heavy rain though. Yeah, right before. Yeah. Well, let's put right before off to the left side where the trail is there. Yeah, you had probably you could walk the whole way up and down the bank. So you had four foot. We went back Friday. It was up onto the ledge, and you couldn't even get down over there. So it yeah. went up a lot. It covered <clears> a lot of ground. Started open 
some most of the areas. I guess it's pretty flooded in some areas, so it's closed because of that, but open again to the public for enjoyment, which is pretty nice. No, my uncle, he, they went up good. They went up to try to roost a bird the other night, and road was closed, so that doesn't stop hunters, though. Put their boots on and keep going. Did you shoot one? No. Hell no, I ain't hear one. I don't know, no. Out looking for signs Those pictures of them. Are from last year, then on your Instagram. Oh yeah, years and years ago, man. Year, years of hunting turkeys. I pick a couple good pictures that are still in the phone from the archive. But uh, I don't know. Not anybody I knew went out and heard birds, so nobody heard nothing. We saw a giant gobbler on a float. Yeah, man. <clears throat> we saw a longbeard cross the creek in front of us yesterday. Like, I mean, from running or. Flying like 15 feet in front oh, yeah. of us, though. Literally. It was, I mean, you could see everything. Did you hear anything? Were you nope. out early enough to? <clears throat> uh, some jackasses calling. Or? I was out mushroom hunting today and heard one, and then we heard it moving around, and then. Your midday? Uh, 11 o'clock. That was when I got done because it got too hot. I was getting a redneck in the woods. Like, I was getting sun beat down on me. You could see Chad with a shirt off. Right but listen, now. that was why I went to this spot. There's too much shit to know about mushroom hunting. All this fishing we do, psh, psh, nah, eh, eh, hell, you depend on luck. Eh, you can't stumble. I've I've found very few morels, man. They're, they are uh, some mysterious creatures. We found about ten today. Yeah, We're, but that's a... You know what I mean for numbers wise, like what I I, oh, I see other people making good hauls and things like that, which which in turn it you could be luck, you could be beginner's luck, you could be a million things. It could be the right temperature in your your hillside you're on, or it's just they're they're hard to find. Oh, they're they're really hard to find. What were you? Which what'd you find? The we found what half free or regular morels? Half, half free. That was what my uncle found. First day of turkey yesterday morning, and uh, well, I didn't know nothing about it. I went out, I know what a morel looks like due to pictures and, and seeing a few, but I, the ones I have seen, uh, believe me, I've, I've crawled around in a lot of woods. I spent more time than wild animals in some big patches of woods, and I've just very rarely have came across them. And I don't know, I guess I you'd only find them now when you're gobbler hunting, though, right? Well, You're not no, a fall thing as well, no, or no, not just in no. the spring. Spring but when the the water or the ground temperature, temperature hits gets 50, 50. 45 to fifty-five, and it's a two to three mm. week thing. In fact, it could. So it's musky season. Mm-hmm. No, just kidding. No, it's just a, it's a thing where I don't know. It's so weather dependent, so tree dependent. I don't know. I don't, there's a million tips that could be shared, and you still have no. Inf- you'd be going on nothing. It's. I'll tell you what, Jace. I was getting so into it today that where i found them were you edge i was i was on a slope on a slope in the woods and where i found them on thursday was down slope and where i found them today was 65 yards uphill so i didn't find any down where i was on thursday but i found them 65 yards uphill in all across that that parallel yeah, are I know these all I mean. on certain trees, or mm. are you just finding them in just certain situation, or just randomly? Chad's just I mean, finding I, just them, in huh? General, walking, I'm, walking in area. Right? I'm not trying to. No, yeah, you're pry. fine. No, you're fine. Uh, you can pry as much as you want because I, I really don't know a shitload about anything. Um, I was finding them on Thursday. I was finding them 
in certain areas around certain trees, but on down trees. Like, I couldn't tell what kind of tree was down. Down as dead? Down, like down as in laid down and not just cut. Like, it's been down and been down for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, starting to decay. That's what and, I heard. One of the best places to look, dead and decaying trees, which they promote that. Whatever, you know, what, what is it, some kind of symbiotic, something in the, down in the soil, it's, yeah. it, there's so much behind it, man, it's a pretty, pretty cool venture if you're gonna take it on, but I wouldn't say... There's a science to it, you're saying? Oh, well, not, there's a me- gonna be a method to your hunting, you know what I mean, you're gonna have to find the, it's kind of like, kind of tuned to every different place, just like fishing would be. Don't you find, like, old apple orchards are usually, like... That's what I hear. Hot spots, right? Old apple orchards are the cat's ass. Yeah. When I went last... If you could find one. When I I was going to go knock at a door today, which I kind of might be able to, but this is, like, a huge place where... When I went last year, we we went to an old, overgrown apple orchard. Is that where you found? We got, like, 85 morels. We got, like, six pounds. That was your, your experience of the most concentration of finds yeah because now like where i go around mm-hmm. here it's it's hit and miss it's i find six gray morels over there i find 14 half freeze back there i so found a you, mix when you found that big low that big haul were they mixed or were they all pretty much one time those were all golds okay and they were just dude they were big mushrooms they were like six inches tall they were like the size of a 12-ounce beer can. Believe me, that's what I'm looking for now. I don't want to crawl around out there and be like, look at that. It, it, it'd be the size of a button. You know, it's tough. That's But once you do find one, that's what you need to do. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what. That's what I was telling Derek. I, I would bring him around and show him. I was like, here's one right here. Look. And he would come over and he'd see it. Take and then, no steps and look. One step and look. And then he, like, I found nine. And he was like, oh, there's one. And the one he found was the size of this pen cap. I was like, God damn, Derek, that's a good spot right there, man. That's a good eye. <laughs> but, but he found none of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah, th- it was weird because I I was, I don't know, I'm new to it and I'm green. I'm, and I'm just going in places that I've kind of hunted and, and I can't say that anywhere it could be, though. It, it doesn't, you can't, you could find better soil areas. You could find, you know, certain trees you can find all that stuff but every woods probably holds some morels somewhere so i i searched and searched i found everything but you know i i found some other uh what was a picture i sent you there a black trumpet i i think they're referred devil's to devil's urn. urn i've heard them called a few things but i think they're edible but what i've read about them they're not you know tasty so i left well, them there the first time uh, first couple of times i ever even pulled mushrooms out of areas that weren't you know the grocery store you mean cow shit <laughs> yeah, yeah. The no, first time I ever no, saw, no. A baggie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, we're, Chad Chad and I found like uh, some baby portobellos across the street from your house one time when we were kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Jace, he, he used to call them pinkies. Yeah. It, yep. And uh, Jace and I, or we'd found a huge uh, sheephead mushroom sheep head out there man. in the fall time. Those big. are the only like experiences I've ever had. And the sheepheads are great. Both of them are great. I'll tell you what, I found. Sheepheads just take a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, it, you will find a decent like when you find one, it's worth you know well, it was worth a lot your to look. Eat there. It, yeah, it's huge, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, yes. it's gonna take some time. And it's gonna take some work, but there there's a lot there. And they oh man, they soak every all the 
deer juices up. But man, I just remember he was he was used but to listen, cooking with deer, man. Oh, it's the greatest. Here's the shit of it though. It was it was so for me being brand new to it. You did it before. I never. I I can't say I set out to find a damn mushroom. So I no. I go the other day. I take my bike. I ride up. You know, might as well get a little exercise. I ride up to the the hill, and this is it's like a rock quarry area, old rock quarry. So I don't know if that was, you know, like you said, you're over here, nothing, and all of a sudden here, it, this is the right place, at the right time. It, it's such a weird thing. It's it's more elusive than shed hunting, I think, because you could ultimately walk deer trails to look for sheds and things like that, but you don't know where a mushroom trail is at. But once you hit it, you start. Oh, there's one. I hunted for two hours and didn't see shit. Then I found multiple mushrooms together which i tried to associate the trees they were with with the vegetation they were with and today i looked in a complete different woods and didn't i didn't find none of those relative things i thought i was going to go to this area because how it gets sun versus other areas around there and i was like well that's going to be popping that's going to be the place that that facing slope gets the most sun all the time you know versus kind of like a river one side's growing the leaves heavy now versus the other side isn't you know down in the valley or however even highway sides so i thought i was on to something and yeah kicking the balls i found one <laughs> one after about 20 minutes i go in there jump up a deer i'm looking at him he walks off i look down i okay there's one half free morel and it was knocked over or i don't know if it expired it, it didn't look bad it just was laying on its side i was like well, that's weird but maybe there'll be more only one i found the whole time <laughs> In like three hours. So you hear something funny about, uh, you said hunting deer trails. I was back in a, <clears throat> a big deer bedding area because it had... What were you doing, collecting ticks? Yeah. No. <laughs> I got permethrin. Rolling around like a l- l- lint ball. I got permethrin, and I have no worries now, man. Is that like permethazine? That shit is <laughs> fucking on point. But uh, I was back in that, that deer bedding area, and I walked a deer trail out. I looked down, and I said, oh... There's a stock, like I saw no a, cap, a just mor- the white a morel where it looked like it was cut off, but it wasn't cut off smooth. It was cut off jagged, like a deer had been eating it. Oh, uh, d- believe me, I'm the, over there wondering. The deer you know, ate them. I, that's what I'm wondering. I'm like these fuckers got them cleaned up. I come to the wrong place because there's a lot of deer rag. <laughs> yeah, no, but let me tell you, they're better at finding them than you are. Uh, yeah, they're. <laughs> They probably got a, a, a snout for it. They probably could associate a smell with it. But before I'd, I'd picked any morels, I found that stock that had been bitten off. I was like, all right, well, now I have a little Gave bit of, you the idea and confidence I that they were there. I have a little bit of confidence that the stuff's around. Um, I did find some cool stuff today. Uh, while I was out today, I was showing Derek the ropes. I, Derek that comes to fly tie at night. He, uh, I, was, I took him around. I found a, a pheasant back the other day which is another big mushroom that grows on a tree. I found one, and I, I cut it off, and we ate it last night, but I left half of it there, and I left it, and I, I wanted to show him because I knew it was coming today. So we went, and we uh, we checked out that pheasant back first, and then we went, and we were looking around. We we looked, and I, like I said, we found about 10 morels. We found another pheasant back. I, Derek's son cut it off, and they took it home as well. They're going to cook it tonight. I found a trillium. Are you uh, you supposed to cook them like when you harvest them? Yeah, yeah. You just like I say, slice them thin, put paper towels on them, dry them off, sauté them in butter. Just like morels as well. Yeah, that, okay. That's the best way to do morel. Yeah, sauté it in butter and salt and pepper. But uh, but I found a trillium, 
which is a wildflower. I sent it to a picture of you guys in the group. It's just three petals on it. And God, they're freaking beautiful. Did we get a verdict on the the, the ending question on that? Can you smoke it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can. I'm just kidding. No. I, effects to be, no, to be what, determined. Uh, <laughs> tell you what, though. If you do a little quick parboil on them morels first, it makes a big difference, too. Okay. Up That's how trust. we always used to do them. Because then instead of getting a little bit of a snap, they're almost like a portobello's where it's like almost that like meaty texture to it. Okay. Man, I, I remember how long we did them, though. That's the bad part. I think it was only I three, bet you three to five minutes. You. That was it. A couple minutes. That's all it takes. Just to soften them up a little bit and then cut them up and then go ahead and, and fry them in your butter and salt and pepper. That's it. Okay. I've, I've been finding find this one thing. Around, I'm sorry this is up going to foraging talk instead of SVS fishing talk, but I've been finding... I find a lot of the guys who do the same kind of things we like to do, do this too. No, no, there's mad hot chicks out looking for mushrooms. You know what would be really really cool to do? Get some of them crappies, get some of them morels, go do a float, cook that on a shore lunch. I'm done. I'm in. That'd be funny. I I had mentioned to Chad that's what we'd do if we, you know... Because turkey hunting sometimes is just you getting beat by the turkey. So if you could be quiet enough well, and not, you know, you you still listen. Listen for a bird that doubles as. But after a day like today, I enjoyed the first day I went mushroom hunting. cool weather. It was like 50, yeah. a little bit of sprinkles of rain. There was no bugs. So, yeah, this, this Something year Something to be said mosquitoes. for just being in the woods, though, too. Oh, uh, yes. Well, with it being nicer today, I was getting baked out there. I was like, yeah. nah, this is not fun. Well, you're white as white as white, though. Yeah, but I had long johns on. I was dressed for 7 a.m., not 11 a.m. with high <laughs> sun. <laughs> 72. <laughs> Yesterday in our float, the same thing. I mean, we Chad was in a T-shirt. When we all showed up in the morning, it was chilly, though. There was, a little, there was still a little... I mean, when you're stripping your line, it was still a little chilly on your hands. And yeah. by the end of the day, God, was it nice. It was beautiful. And while we're on foraging talk, real quick, yesterday on our float, I found ramps. I, uh, did, I find ramps everywhere, bud. I didn't harvest them. I'd never found them before. No? Uh, no. I was they're like, all on that creek. We found so them, so now you're... Like, now, now, clarify and verify. Are, are we saying, like, leaks? No, ramps. Ramps. Small ones. The ramps. One pedal... Like... You, yeah. you only keep like the one shoots. stock? Oh, the real thin? Yeah, real okay. thin, three yep. shoots, ramps. Yeah, I, I call them, them chives or <laughs> but, uh, for us anyway. Th- right now is the time to be getting them, too. I found them, and I was like, Jay, these are ramps. And he was like, really? I was like, yeah. And I was like, ah, if they're here, they're going to be further down creek. I'm no, it was more like this. Ramps, dude, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was more like that, but go ahead, Chad. And so I, I didn't harvest any. So and we should have. And then we didn't find any more the rest of the way down. I was yeah, looking. It was, well, <laughs> no, and that was tough, kinda, too. Usually when you find them, they're in a long stretch together, and well, then they'll be, they're usually connected to some kind of swampy or something. Yes, yes. When you That's get to exactly that, when you get to those, uh, those areas with a lot of pines over yeah. top, and that kind of, yep. you get that, there's no other, like, nothing else on the ground growing up yep. over top of them. You yep. get them there. No yeah. skunk cabbage. Yeah. Yep. Big thumb. Yep. So, so uh, one more question on the, I don't know, I guess you're hey, hunting. you're, it. uh. We're guests there pretty soon, too. Oh, yeah, we got about three minutes. What's that noise? It sounds like there's seagulls in the back. Kids. It's probably, probably the song. I thought it was playing. kids yelling back there. But uh, <laughs> open woods, like, are you, are you looking thick? Are you looking open? Are you looking places that, is there other growth? Are you finding most of them associated with other growth, such as, like, the the fiddles and, and the ferns and things like that? Because that's where I found most of, of mine. It wasn't, it was, 
not full of growth, but it had undergrowth. You know, some areas of the floor is kind of not the right, you know, either too much water, too wet, no growth. I didn't find any. I, I found more in greener areas. They're harder to see in the greener areas. Than in the brown, Than in just the, the leaf-covered area. But I found more in that area. They're harder to see, like I said. You have to look harder, but there's more of them in that, that type of area. Well, after seeing somebody post a post where they said, oh, I pulled up to my supermarket and got out. You may have seen this. I don't know if you follow the page, but got out and they, they picked like five giants right under a apple tree, apple tree that was in yep. a parking lot. Like how many people walked by that? So You know what? I have an, There's an apple tree directly across the street from where you guys are going to walk out, out the door here in about two minutes. I've been spying everybody's apple trees. I've never found a morale under that apple tree. Yeah. That's all got to be right. So, have you ever looked over here? Yeah, the, I find the grays across the street, Jay. The oh, okay. gr- like up by the bend. I figured. Yeah. That's and, where I find the grays. Well, they're starting to flower apple trees, so it kind of gives you a little easier spot on them and stuff. No, it's 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 something different, something to enjoy some private time outdoors. Actually, it's quiet. You and you soak all that stuff in. You get to see some of the cool stuff on the. The creepy crawlies and things like that on the ground. So, or if you have kids, it doesn't have to be quiet. You can hoot and holler. Oh yeah, and no yell doubt. And not worry about spooking yeah, animals. Well, I'm not hunting hunting these areas, so yeah. I'm getting a hunt hunt PA this year. I'm, I'm mushroom hunting my Ohio spots, so kind of cool. Yeah, it, it's very cool. But hey, on that note, let's uh let's go take a break, and we'll come back with John Driscoll and talk about uh some saltwater fishing, man. Sure thing, Chad. And we are back with John Driscoll coming to us out of Florida. What's happening, man? Yeah, not a lot. Uh, you know, we're enjoying the uh, the weather. We get uh, we get some awesome weather in the spring and uh, you know through the winter before the uh, you know the heat and the mosquitoes kind of uh, chase out all the pretenders. <laughs> so uh, so it's all good. So what you guys get pretty pretty uh, mosquito ridden later in the oh, summer? Yeah. It's it's um, nature of the beasts. You know, if you like fishing, some of the best some of the best fishing is going to be having to navigate through uh, you know through the bugs. Um, you know, I don't know if any of you guys have been to uh, Flamingo down there at Everglades National Park, but uh, that's you know that's kind of like uh, ground zero. And uh, you know, I had a harsh introduction to that place, and uh, when I first moved down here in the '80s, uh, my brother-in-law invited me fishing and you know we drive down there and blow out a tire on the uh on the boat boat trailer so we stop and i i volunteer to stand by the side of the road as he runs back into town to you know to get a spare and um you know he he doesn't go quarter mile down the road and he sees me just hopping in the rear view mirror turns around and gets me and i'm covered like the fur of a yeti in um, (laughs) mosquitoes so so yeah, you, you learn how to deal with that, and then uh, once you get through that, it all uh, it all works out, man. So when the fish, when the bugs are biting, the fish is good. So, so uh, how do you deal with that? <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, you guys up there have, you know, your seasons are a little more uh, pointed. You know, you get this uh, this lull in the winter when everything kind of dies down, and this surge of life in the spring, and um, you know, the the bugs come in. So down here. I hate to say it. I got to take a deep breath. You, you know, you, um, if you're going to fish one of these wonderful areas, uh, you, you know, you're going to be in for it. 
So you prep by uh, wearing like a long sleeve T-shirt, uh, you know, like a Patagonia and then a uh, uh, long sleeve sweatshirt on top of it and then a hoodie on top of that. And a you know a, a buff on top of that layering system of armor and uh, you know I'm not kidding full gloves because if, if there's a millimeter of skin exposed oh, uh, you are gonna get torn up but uh, you know in, in years when the when we have a little bit more of a, a drought they drop off a little bit so like the last 15 years here um, well, I should say that you know ignoring the last say three to five but before the last three to five we had a little bit of a drought and yeah it was fabulous you could get out there and only you know only deal with a a modest amount of bugs Mm -hmm. but the first time i ever went to flamingo we we pull up in the truck well well, i should i should back up and say the first successful trip i ever had to flamingo (laughs) you know um we we roll up in the windshield as soon as we kind of Parked the car to prep the you know the boat to dunk at the uh, the ramp. The windscreen was just covered in bugs, just covered in bugs, and I mean, my jaw dropped. And that was really my introduction to Florida. But but what what kept me on the uh, on that trail was that that particular event. My first three casts in Everglades National Park at Flamingo were a redfish a snook and a tarpon in three casts. So, uh, you know, it's just hard to, um, hard to back up from that. Has it got that good since? Has it been Uh, that good since? (laughs) Well, you know, I don't, it was a beginner's luck. It was like, uh, you know, somebody trying to uh, get me addicted. Hooked you boy. (laughs) Uh, I, I can't remember any other trips that were that good in starting out, but I certainly had days that were, every bit that good after we kind of put some time in, you know, to get where we were going. So, you know, right off the air, right before we uh, started rolling, you uh, told us how you got down to Florida and uh, how you got your starts into fly fishing a little bit. You want to go into that? Sure. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up in New England, you know, liked flies. I didn't really fly fish in New England, but I met a bunch, I met a bunch of old people that, uh, you know, tied flies. So I learned, I learned a little bit about tying flies and then uh, went to college in the Midwest. Um, you know, Notre Dame right there, <laughs> but, um, you know, moved to Florida in 85 and, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to move and live on the pilot study canal where they introduced the peacock bass. So, uh, Paul Shafland is, is the guy director of, uh, you know, uh, non non-native fish at fish and wildlife at the time and and he put together the program to introduce the peacock bass because the i don't know if you guys are aware of it but the canals in south dater are essentially overrun with all kinds of exotics um you know primarily cichlids but there's all kinds of stuff in there that just huge surprises you just never know what you're going to catch so they introduced the peacock bass in order to um try and bring some balance to the canal systems and i was fortunate enough to live on the pilot study canal and, um, you know, fished every day after work, I'd get home, walk out the, you know, on the front door, out the back door, hop in the John boat and just drift down the canal with my, uh, fly rod and uh, see what I could do. So, so you know, oh, sorry, so how has the peacock backs done for the exotics there? And, and what are you supposed to do? If you catch an exotic like that, are you supposed to kill it or do you throw it back? 
Well, you know, you know, typically I just throw everything back at this point. Um, we haven't got firm orders on some of the exotics now, just simply because the, the ecosystem down here is so overwhelmed. It is so overwhelmed that these things, they're in place. And, you know, throwing or keeping one or two of these exotics is not going to dramatically um, alter the ecosystem. Even if every fisherman went out there and kept an Oscar or threw it or, you know, threw it in their cooler or something, it's not going to change the ecosystem. So what happens is they, they did their analysis and the peacock bass don't, there, there's overlap in the forage species, but um, peacock bass like it when it's cold. They like the evening, they like it deeper. And um, so when the hot summer hits, the peacock bass get much more active um, and you're less likely to, you know, catch any largemouth bass unless you're fishing deep or slow or, uh, you know, in the evenings. What, uh, what flies are you throwing for them and does it change throughout the year? Well, if you guys follow me on Instagram or something, I'm, uh, yeah, like, I'm, <laughs> I into, the, uh, I'm into the mudlers, man. I just... I just throw mudlers for everything. Um, you know, a, a clouser is, is a fabulous fly, but at this point I, I think that's cheating. So, so I throw mudlers for everything. And, and when I lived in Miami, um, you know, I was fortunate because I could try lots of different things. I settled on a, on a pattern, um, where I would throw a, um, well, let me just back up and say the canal I lived on was 20 feet deep. And, it was it had um, oceanic locks, so we would get snook in there and tarpon and you know all kinds of stuff. But um, I found the the pattern that worked best for me in in the deepest deeper canal was uh, teeny three fifty on a nine or ten weight, and I would just um, you know strip rapidly strip a uh, a muddler, and um, you know the the mudlers I use tend to be kind of fairly colorful oranges, reds, you know, um, shad type uh, flies. And, and, uh, you know, that's kind of what I did. I'm sort of stuck with the muddlers. Just they, they trans, you know, if you're going to prospect around in Florida and experiment, explore muddlers are perfect. They, they push a lot of water. So you can sometimes pull in up, you know, pull in those fish and, uh, you know, you can make a mother look like anything kind of like a deceiver you know, or EP fly or something. And Oh, it's just going to say an intermediate lines probably. Yeah. You know, inter, yeah. intermediates. Um, well, you know, down here on the East coast, the, the East coast people are spoiled because the water is super clear. And, you know, so uh, intermediate flies work great. Um, sinking line works, uh, works good. If you're, you know, if you got something that's uh, 15 feet or deeper, Sometimes the, the intermediate line is, is, you know, is a good uh, balance. But if, if the canals are, you know, 15 feet or less, I usually throw, uh, you know, my favorite uh, fly line is a um, uh, wolf triangle taper, you know, whatever, wolf uh, Bermuda triangle taper. And I just use a, uh, you know, like a 10-foot leader. And then, uh, you know, you add a little, a little weight to the fly, you know, lead when you tie it up. Uh, you know, it gives it, it makes it neutrally buoyant and just works for everything. So you sent me a whole box of, uh, the muddlers, uh, it's been about a year and a half ago or so. 
And I was so surprised at how small they are. Like, for what we throw for smallmouth, it they dwarf what you're throwing down there. Yeah, well, you know, that that's that's kind of the odd thing. Um it, it's um it's it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. If you're somebody that likes being able to watch that fish hit, you know, sixty feet away and bang that fly, uh, these things aren't really gonna work for you all that well. Um but what I found is, um, you know, it, it, particularly if you get to the salt water, the backcountry, you know, my favorite place to fish is the, you know, deep in the backcountry creeks. And, you know, sometimes you're prospecting, sometimes you're sight fishing. Um, the, the small flies, you know, two inches, sometimes two inches or less, two, you know, inch and a half, inch and three quarters, um, these things will pull in fish that are, you know, 40 inches. And, um, you know, if you look at the tarpon guys, what they throw for the Atlantic tarpon when they're migrating, I mean, look at some of these toads. It's not a big fly they're throwing. You know, you can add, a, you know, a big tail on it, but the flies are not what you'd expect for a fish that's, you know, five, six feet long. And what we found is, or what I found moving around is, this kind of, you know, marginal fly, actually got a couple here, that, that you know, you, you toss it. I don't know if you can see that. Um, this will pull in a fish that's like 30, 40 pounds. <laughs> and, um, you know, I I had a day fishing with one of the uh, Drake guys in, in Flamingo, and I caught five, five tarpon. The biggest one was probably pushing 50. Um, five on one fly that wasn't even, it wasn't even two inches long and they just crushed it. So, so what I've done is the, the, the kinds of muddlers I tie, I don't know if you can throw them with the, you know, with a, a five weight or a four weight, they're pretty wind resistant. Uh, you know, they got big fat heads and they've got a big fat tail. Um, so the, these tiny little muddlers, I throw them with an eight weight. And they push a lot of water. And for South Florida, you know, I, I can't speak to, you know, you get farther up the state. But but down here in the Everglades, these little tiny flies push a lot of water and they pull in big fish. So, um, you know, I, I kind of that's sort of my my M.O. now is, a, you know, a fish less than three inches long. You know, if I'm down way down the southern end of the state, I make sure it has yellow. <laughs> but um <laughs> Everywhere else, the you know the colors, you know, you can kind of mix and match. You're on the West Coast now, correct? Yeah, I'm in Naples now, but um, you know, I just, you know, I told you before uh, this we started. This, you know, I fish with a bunch of Drake guys. There's a couple of guys in the East Coast, and you know, I'll get up in the morning at three o'clock. Sorry for the dog. I got a English bull terrier that's uh, pretty active here. Oh, we're definitely uh, gonna do dog talk. Oh yeah, drive to the East Coast, and. Um, you know, meet at six o'clock at the ramp in Everglades and, you know, we'll fish for, you know, for eight hours and then they'll, you know, drive, drive the two and a half hours back. So kind of like you guys driving all over town. Um, You, you also had been, you've been posting uh, some peacock pictures lately, right? Oh yeah. Are, I'm, uh, are they all the way know, across the state? Well, they were introduced in Miami, and, and the reason that the, the fishing game allowed them to be introduced is they they are temperature limited. They're temperature restricted. So 
They don't like water below 72 or yeah, below 72. And they basically die if water gets below 60. So they're not going to go very far north. And the weird thing about Florida is if you look at if you look at the state, you know, you look at Miami and Fort Lauderdale and you draw a line straight across to Naples, even though we're a direct line west, we're in a whole different climate zone here. We're like 10 degrees warmer in the summer and 10 degrees colder in the winter. Uh, the East Coast maintains this, you know, nice kind of consistency. Um, so what's happened is the fish have started spreading and they've been assisted by a number of people, you know, with the bucket brigades. Um, I don't know who put them in the canal system and the lake system in my neighborhood, but somebody most certainly put them in here. And I've been in my neighborhood 20 years here in Naples. And, um, you know, I used to fish all the time, every day, hop out the little boat, float around, and I never caught one. But I always heard rumors that somebody introduced them. And this year, just this year, man, last, uh, you know, a couple months since the turn of the year, I went in my backyard and made a cast one day, and I just got thumped. And it was a giant peacock bass, big old knot on its head. Mm-hmm. Um you know, probably 22 inches long. And um, so I'm spoiled. They're, they're everywhere. And they're all through my canal system do and my you, lake systems. Do you think like even with the Texas cichlids and all that, you think it was uh, aquarium owners? Because I've owned cichlids for probably 15 years, all kinds of sorted cichlids. And, uh, you know, do you think it was uh, just people that owned them and got rid of them originally, like Oscars, large Oscars, maybe outgrew their tanks? Or what do you think? Well, well, for the for the whole southern part of Florida, that's most certainly what happened. You got to remember that, you know, Miami is a huge um, import export hub, and so the the aquarium trades had a bunch of uh, big um, outfits in in Miami. And over the course of you know all the years, all the hurricanes, you know, from Donna up up through, you know, I lived in South Dade when Andrew hit in in ninety two. It wiped these places out. That makes so complete sense. Those fish went into the canal systems, and I don't think they really know. I don't think there's been a definitive release incident that they can t- trace it to. But we are full of Oscars and um, you know Midas cichlids and you know innumerable innumerable tiny little ones, the big colorful like jewel fish and stuff like that. Yeah, jewel cichlids. But as far as peacock bass. You know, I never really saw peacock bass sold in the aquarium industry down here. So most of the peacock bass in these pocket ponds and these uh, borrow pits and things, I think, have been from people that, you know, get a bucket full of them um, and and release them. And, and the thing about, you know, if you if you raise cichlids, you know that what gives cichlids a, a wonderful um, edge over native fish is that the, the parents defend their young for – an incredible amount of time. So, you know, their, their young will hatch and then the parents will just follow them around and fight anything off that wants to eat them, which gives them a huge jump. And so, um, on that same line, when the peacocks hatch, the, the parents will stay with these things till, till honest to God, man, these little buggers will be four inches, you know, three or four inches long. And you'll see a school of a hundred of these things Dude. with these two giant parents hanging out in the distance. The parents won't eat. I mean, you cast to them, 
you know, if you want to be sort of, I guess this goes to uh, huge fly fishermen's, you know, stuff on ethics, right? <laughs> you can cast a big giant fly or a big giant plug and just antagonize them and hook one of these monsters. Um, and, and I admit to doing it. You know, sometimes you oh, just you see can? a fish that's so epic, you just sometimes you can't help yourself. As I've gotten older, I've been better and better at con- controlling myself in those instances. But when I lived in Miami, man, we would see these these things. And, and these little fish, they're not piranhas, but they act like piranhas. They come in there and they will decimate any little teeny thing that they can get their mouths on. And so consequently, if you set up a trap with, uh, you know, one of those, uh, what do they call them? You know, those... Uh, What's it called? It's like a uh, an umbrella, you know, vertical umbrella upside down, you know, and you, you you put the bait in there and you pick it up. You can you could grab literally hundreds of these baby peacocks and and put them in a bucket and release them somewhere else. And I think that's what's happened. You don't think but, uh, uh, flooding or anything? You don't think storms and flooding have moved them around down through there? Oh, I, I'm sure it is definitely. Um, Definitely contributed, but what you find is there's some secret little borrow pits here and there um, that are not connected to anything, and they are loaded with peacock bass. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, I've lived here a long time, and even I get surprised every now and then somebody tells me about a little spot they found. Well, who wouldn't want to throw into a pond and get one of those, right? Yeah. Back to what you touched on real quick, though. Does the code of ethics apply to non-native fish like that? Well, you know, um, (laughs) I mean, I I guess you could argue no. Uh, But in in Florida, they did a very thorough study um, concerning these fish, and um, they, they added them as a benefit to the, you know, to the native fisheries to get people to you know, be more interested in the the degradation of some of the canals where, you know, you didn't see a lot of native fish. And now that's full of these, uh, you know, essentially game fish. So, you know, I'd argue that at least with respect to peacocks, um, you know, I, I try and not uh, molest them if I can. Uh, you know, sometimes you don't, you make a cast and something will hit. And you didn't know that it was a, you know, you didn't see the fish on the nest because the water was cloudy. Uh, you know, that, that's the other reason I, I throw a lot of these muddlers. Some, some, some of the water, when you go from the East Coast to the West Coast, you get more tannins staining and you get more turbidity in some of these pockets. So, um, you know, something that pushes and moves water is, is beneficial. Now, with, with the overlap there, you've been fishing for a long time. Uh, bass, just your, your regular largemouth, how do they, can you fish for them simultaneously in the same water, or are they all apart? Well, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think when you're fly fishing, it's it's a lot easier to um, sort of narrow your target, you know, because you can, you know, keep something that's going to stay in the top or, um, or, or, or do the size, but um, if you're fishing for a predatory fish and throwing a, uh, an attractor fly, you're going to catch both peacocks and largemouths if they're both in the same area. So if you, you know, if you guys ever came down here and wanted to fish some of these cross, cross state canals, 
There's a bunch of canal systems like across I-75 and across 41. Um, what you'll find is that um, the, the large mouths are pretty active in the same places the peacocks are. And if you wanted to somehow narrow down or focus your, um, you know, attack on, you know, one or the other, you can do that simply by changing the time of day you fish or by changing the depth that you're fishing. And, and the other thing is that um, the, the peacocks, while they're not incredibly temperature sensitive, you know, we have consistent temperatures all year down here. Just, you know, it's a great, great place. But what you'll find is like when the cold fronts come through, the peacocks will just hunker down in the deeper parts of the canals and the ponds where they might be getting some groundwater seepage and groundwater temperatures down here um, never go below 72. So they will hunker down. But what you'll find is the large mouse gets super active. And um, so winter and spring are the best times if you want to catch largemouth bass on fly down here the big ones move around and, and you know i don't know about you know i mentioned on some of the, the forums and whatnot i i'm, I'm just spoiled because the canal uh the the ponds and the lake system in my neighborhood has got giant largemouth so i've caught a um just shy of a 30 inch largemouth here and a 28 inch largemouth on fly are those a, are those a Texas run? Was on a gurgler, a uh, electric chicken colored gurgler in about ten feet of water, mm -hmm. and it came all the way up from the bottom, and it was so big when it hit the fly that there wasn't even a splash. It was just this giant inhale, weird like... alien bubble enveloped that fly, and that thing went down into the back down to the hydrilla, and I had an eight weight at the time. It was a, a Saint Croix. Um, an eight-way St. Croix that I had to bend into the butt to pull out of that, that <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, spoiled. Sorry, man. Do they get bigger than 30 inches? What do you mean? Oh, that's a 30-incher. Well, okay. I, I, that's a big steelhead. <laughs> it, it was a, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good fish. You know, it, are they the Texas you know, strain, guys, or are they the, like you the... You guys up there are spoiled with a steelhead, because those things fight for, you know, for more than five minutes. Yeah. And they're like a different strain of largemouth bass, though. Like, was it Texas and Florida have? Is that is that yeah. the one? So those are the ones you're catching. The, the Florida strain bass grows the biggest. Okay, of, of that's what mouth. I thought. Um, and and what 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 you see across the country, you'll see a lot of the uh, fish, fish and wildlife agencies will want to get a Florida strain bass that they'll, um, you know, they'll hybridize with a local species to make it somewhat more tolerant to the, you know, the temperature uh, conditions in that area. But the negative of a Florida strain bass is they're actually smarter than the other ones. So they grow really big, um, but they found out that they, you know, if they've been caught on something of a certain color or a certain size or a certain kind of um, consistency or characteristic, they will avoid that in the future. So they get big and they get cagey. So it's like Jurassic and that's why Park. Mix it up. It's like Jurassic Park. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, John, do you have to mess with gators at all while you're down there? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean well, like okay, tackle them, Chad? No, that was the know, best response. I'm, I'm, well, I'm an environmental yeah. consultant. I've been an environmental consultant since, uh, yeah. you know, I graduated college. And I've, I've actually been, you know, like waist deep in the swamps when you see these suckers. And 
as somebody who grew up in New England, the first couple of times I had to see those things that, you know, I got to tell you, you know, I had my, my mouth dried out a little bit and, you know, the pulse raced and, you know, I had to stand there for a minute determining if I had made the correct choices in life. <laughs> <laughs> I like fish but, not that uh, much. But what you find is that the, the wild alligators are, not a, are generally not a problem. Um, they don't like people. And, um, as long as you follow the same rules you'd follow for like a, a, you know, a bull shark, you know, don't be splashed around the water at dusk or after dark, you know, stay when it's bright and sunny. Um, that generally works out pretty good dealing with the, uh, alligators. The, the only time it becomes a problem is, um, there's a couple of places in Everglades National Park, um, where the, you know, the people will camp out and some of them will start throwing stuff in the water and the alligators get, um, acclimated to people and that's just a bad thing if, if they're used to people feeding them then they just follow you around they go after your fish they come up on the land um and yes it's just bad uh in the everglades you are you got are you seeing even as a fisherman a lot of the larger snakes that are non-invasive as well oh yeah all the time i, I can't say i i encountered them while um hiking because the um the burmese pythons are just masters of camouflage. You're just not going to see them unless they're sunning themselves. Uh, but when you're in your car, you're going to meet somebody at the boat ramp at, you know, the crack of dawn, you're driving along I-75 and you could like glance over the side and you'll see a, you know, 15 foot snake sunning himself on the side of I-75. And most Shut of the your time, mouth. The time you <laughs> I'm over that. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, by the time the, the problem is by the time you recognize it, you're already past it, um, because the mo for the, you know, for the old school, uh, you know, Everglades people here is you turn and you run it over, because you want to kill it. Sure, sure, you know? yeah. So, <laughs> so but yeah, I mean, I I've seen um, I, innumerable uh, Burmese pythons. You know, we've. Uh, a lot of times we find, find the dead on the side of the road. I haven't really, um, you know, gone out and hunted them. My, uh, my daughter used to play, my oldest daughter used to play soccer when we lived in Miami. And um, I was a, another one of those weird kind of, you know, quirks of luck and fate. Um, one of the, the other parents on the soccer team was Skip Snow. I think he's Dr. Skip Snow, who was the guy in charge of dealing with the pythons in Everglades National Park. So, um, you know, heard a lot of stories about what they were doing with them. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's retired now, but, you know, you'll, you'll see his name pop up if you ever Google anything about the, uh, you know, the, the, the pythons in, in Ever particularly in Everglades National Park. So when they kill the pythons, what do they, what do they do with them? Are they table fare at the end of the day or are they, uh, what do they do? Well, well, okay. Um, generally, if you catch catch one, you're supposed to euthanize it, or 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 you can just put it in a, you know, a uh, a pillowcase and just give it to fish and wildlife. But they're going to euthanize it, and then they're going to vivisect. They're going to well, they're going to euthanize it, and they're going to um, open it up, and they're going to see what it's been eating, because they want to track what they're you know what they're preying on, and um, then they just you know trash them a lot of the, the the licensed trappers will actually keep them they'll skin them they will turn in the you know part of it to the fish and wildlife for them to do their you know research and then they'll keep the uh you know the skins and they'll keep the eggs 
it'll feed the eggs to, you know, domestic wildlife. You know, a number of guys keep pigs, you know, out in the Everglades. So uh, that's kind of what they do. That's another invasive you guys have, isn't it? The wild pigs. Oh yeah, they're they're everywhere. I mean, well, you guys brought don't you have them up 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 where you're at? Nope, not right around where we are. We don't have them. Oh yeah, we've got them. We've got them all over here, and they're just, um, you know, it's it's a incredibly smart animal, and um, sexually mature at less than a year, you know, and they can have uh, at least two litters a year. So you let a couple of those those critters loose in your woods and you're just, uh, you, you know, you're in trouble. You're going to be overrun with those things. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, in, in my other life, I used to do a lot of environmental field work. We would go places and you would see like uh, a quarter mile of, of land just torn up like a tractor roll through it. That's what these things do. And they, it, they eat everything. They eat snakes, they eat lizards, they eat everything. So, uh, Back to the flies that you're actually fishing here. What what was the, I don't know what what brought you to that? Is it a is it a bait fish imitation? What is the what was behind you know all the fishing that that led you to this style of fly that you get a lot of fish on? Well, you know, I I used to when I, when I first moved down there, I I'll admit to I used to love light tackle um, spinning fishing and you know no weight just free lining, uh, uh, you know, shiners. And, you know, you look at how big those things are at, at this end of the state, we can't get those, you know, those foot long golden shiners. They fish up in Lake Okeechobee. Um, you know, so we don't always have, you know, you buy a couple dozen, they'd always, always be this, this, these little things, three inches long. And, um, you know, you still catch everything. You'd catch snook and tarpon and largemouth and peacock and, so when I started um, focusing more on fly fishing, which I've done for like the last probably 20 years, um, I mean, I think the, the last time I picked up a bait caster was, uh, you know, a few months ago because there was something busting out in the back and I couldn't figure out what it was. Um, but but mostly when I, when I go, I choose to take my fly rod and um, we've, over time, you know, we, we get a lot of people come in here during the, the winters. So I like to get out where where nobody goes or, or where a few people go. So it's more about getting way back in there. And, you know, you start to look at what those fish are feeding on. Those fish feed on stuff like killifish and uh, mosquito fish. And so, you know, you start to kind of narrow down the, the pattern. You got to have something that pushes water, but something that's not very big. And so what's happened is I kind of settled on, um, something which is kind of probably an evolution of like an Everglades minnow. You know, I used to, you know, go for all the fancy colors, but I found out that, you know, one of the best flies is just a ugly tan thing with some, you know, uh, some bead chain eyes on it. It doesn't even have to be fancy. It doesn't even have to be, um, a muddler, just, uh, you know, a, a clump of marabou and then spun marabou with some bead chain ice and on a bad day, that's going to bag fish for you in the Everglades. So for me, well, cause I like to, you know, tie flies and I do it for my relaxation. I, I started putting a, a little effort into, you know, creating something that, that worked for me and also kind of looks good for me to give to give away to my friends, <laughs> you know? 
So, oh, so the, oh the, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what I've done is, is the one that I do, a lot of times the saltwater fish aren't picky. Um, there, there's one episode, you know, probably 10 years ago, I was fishing with a friend out of California who took me out in the Sierras, and I returned a favor when he uh, visited me here in, in uh, Florida. We went to Everglades National Park, and we were fishing this pond, and we both tied on flies that I tied. And he was out catching me like almost three to one. And we looked at the flies and they were this almost identical. The only difference was one had a little bit of yellow in it. And as soon as I changed to a fly that had a little bit of yellow in this particular area, you know, we were both hooking up, you know, pretty much the same. Hmm. But, but what, what I do is I, I tie, I like that movement of the tail. I like marabou for tails. You know, marabou gets torn up. You're not going to get a lot, you know, you're not going to get 20 fish out of a marabou fly, but uh, it, it gives just great movement when you cast and, and just let that fly hang for a second. You don't even have to twitch it. You can just let it hang and the natural currents and movement are going to give you this, this uh, kind of movement at the tail. But what happened was I started noticing that, you know, the flies just weren't even holding up for like a half a dozen fish. So... I started, you know, I, 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 you know, posted about it a couple times on Instagram. I started tying a uh, fox or wool, just a little bit of, um, you know, a, a little shorter than the, the, the marabou, um, just a pinch of fur. And then I would palmer the marabou around it. And I found out that just that little bit of kind of crinkly hair was um great it 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 made the marabou stand up longer and even when the marabou kind of finally would you know get torn to pieces you still had a tail that worked and a tail that hung up but but the benefit was if you had wool particularly especially kinky wool um like sculpin wool um it's it it would stick in the teeth of some of these fish so like a gar because if you go back way back in the in the Everglades backcountry, you know you start getting areas as, as summer's coming on, a lot of freshwater flows in there. You get large mouse, you get gar, moving in the same waters where you're casting the snook and tarpon, and the the little bit of wool core to these muddlers, like it would just hang in their mouth for a second. They couldn't like instantly spit it, so they, you know, they they hit it and it would hang for a second, which might give you an extra chance to stick that hook before they spit it. So, um, so that's kind of what I do. I, I, you know, a core of wool or, um, Fox palmered muddler. Um, I don't bother too much with, uh, you know, anything big in between that and the head. I usually do some Palmer chenille, just kind of like something to kind of, um, skirt the gap. And if you, if, if you do something in between the tail and the head, that's smaller than the the overarching um, head. It creates this just a little bit of turbulence that even tiny little pulls of the fly give you lots of motion. So that's kind of what I've what I've settled on. And and you know my box is just full of you know it's, it's all full of these mother things. <laughs> so you uh, mentioned at the uh, <clears throat> in the beginning of your answer there. Getting out to the middle or, you know, where nobody else is, uh, what are you using to get out there 
to where nobody is. Uh, what kind of boat? And are you using a lot of electronics to see the fish you're seeing, to fish it for? Well, okay. Um, right now I'm boatless, but I'm I'm looking. You know, once once this uh, COVID-19 pandemic thing passes, I'll probably be uh, a little more aggressive in the marketplace. But I used to have a, um, a Hughes um, 16-foot bone fisher, which uh, at the time when I got it, it right after Hurricane Andrew, um, it, it's just a great boat. It, it'll take abuse. Little teeny thing, it just takes abuse. But um, as the micro skiff revolution came on, you know, uh, it got to the point where you realize that this little 16 foot boat, you know, really fished like an 18 foot boat or a, you know, a 19 foot boat. It, it drew a lot of water. And, um, so I, I, I sold it, you know, maybe five years ago, um, cause it was just getting old, needed a new motor and, you know, didn't want to put the, uh, you know, put the effort in with all the new stuff coming on the marketplace. But typically we fish now and for the last couple of years, um, my brother-in-law does a lot of uh, uh, kayak trips out of the Everglades. So sometimes I'll just hitch a ride with him, hop in one of his, um, uh, well, my favorite kayak is a native ultimate. It's more like a cross between a, uh, um, a canoe and a kayak. It's open up like a canoe, but it's got these sponsons that allows you to stand up and cast and um, fishing out of one of those. And then uh, a couple of my Drake buddies, uh, have these tiny little um, clones of, um, you know, the old Everglades skiffs. So, uh, you know, 17-foot boat that'll pull, you know, draw four inches of water with a little tiller. And, you know, we'll, we'll pull the motor and push through uh, the mangroves, through the mosquitoes, and through the, uh, the spider webs to get into access places that uh, a lot of people don't like to go. Awesome. So that's how we get away from people. <laughs> Is that what you're also doing the canals and the kayaks? Yeah. I mean, I, I generally try and just find places that people, you know, maybe they don't want to push their way through the, uh, you know, through the, some of the, the, the dense vegetation and, uh, um, you know, spider webs and whatnot. You, you just, just suffer through that stuff, man. And you get to places that, that people don't like to go and it's, it's way better on the other side. Uh, except when it's not. <laughs> we usually have to row or just put on miles on the legs. Yeah. So outside of uh, the species we were mentioning, what are what are some other fish that you cross in your day-to-day fishing, maybe in that canal? Well, the canals down here, um, you know, all the normal stuff. You got largemouth bass, peacock bass. Um, in, in, in South Florida... Um, the reason I fish a, a, a heavier fly rod, I fish an eight is my normal go-to. Eight or nine are my go-to rods. A lot of people think that's kind of like overkill, but you never know what you're going to get. We have Paku here. Um, my neighbor caught a Paku that was 15 pounds. Holy shit. Um, and I've never seen one of those things, but it's, uh, you know, it is it is a monster. It fights like a permit. It jumps like a tarpon. And uh, it'll take you to the cleaners in, in no time. So we get those. Um, incidental, incidental catch has been uh, small alligators. <laughs> um, you, you know, and, and then you have to decide whether you just want to break it off or whether you want to, you know, get it. Get Sacrifice fly back. the and fly. That really depends on, on whether you had a cocktail or not and how big the, the alligator is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to wrestle this alligator or not? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're close enough. Oh, Colt. Offline, I'll send you. I'll send you a picture one day of uh, 
of a uh, of probably a, a bad a bad ad, uh, you know a bad choice, but uh, <laughs> it all worked out. <laughs> You're close enough. Call the Gator Boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but what else we get is you know we also get um, uh, clown knife fisher down here. And we'll see on the East Coast near Boca. Um, because the, you know, snook and tarpon uh, breed and then um, move into freshwater for the winters, even if you're fishing, fishing up, you know, some narrow little freshwater canal, you know, you could, uh, you know, a, a four foot tarpon could pop your line or, a, you know, three foot snook. Hmm. And um, then, then, of course, any number of, uh, you know, exotics that you don't even you're not even aware of. We get uh, uh, Midas cichlids. I think they're not, I don't think they're predatory, but they'll hit something if it's near a nest. We get Mayan cichlids that are aggressive. We get, uh, obviously, Oscars, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. Any so, Anything like, uh, what, what would it be, Arbofin, what do, what do you guys, any snakeheads down in that region? Yeah, or? Well, there's, there's supposedly snakeheads. I, I haven't caught one, but I've heard they're on the East Coast, um, sort of like the Boca Palm Beach area. Uh, initially when they first when they first found them uh, i think everybody was freaking out but um the the reality of it is that the fish down here are pretty damn uh hardcore and it it turns out that a couple of snakeheads really isn't that big of a deal compared to, to the normal stuff going on here <laughs> yeah. yeah just the the fish you, that live with alligators right they they got to yeah. be pretty tough so oh i'm sorry catching the oscars um are they Asking you guys to keep the Oscars and uh, are are they table fair? Do they taste good? Is there a reason to keep them? Well, you know, you know, if, if you if you like your saltwater fish, if you you know, saltwater fish tastes good compared to at least to me compared to freshwater fish. And down here, a lot of the Everglades backcountry fish just taste muddy. Um, you know, I mean, if somebody wants to prep it hard with uh, you know lots of butter and lots of spice. It's it's okay, you know, kind of like 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 what the Louisiana guys do for their backcountry stuff. But um, for the most part, I I don't keep them. I know a lot of the uh, the people from South America keep them to to eat, but I don't. Um, I just don't think they're uh, you know the, much, not enough meat and not much better flavor. much better to go for a little bit further out. You got a lot of fresh fish options down there. I'm sure of it, man. Oh yeah, you know. Um, Especially if you hit the coast, you know, I mean, you got snook and redfish to cruise the beaches, so uh, you don't even need a boat to go for those things. And, uh, you know, if you want to want to put in some time and some money, uh, there's always mahi-mahi or grouper right offshore. And, uh, you know, that, that, that fresh fish is pretty, you know, pretty good. So I was in Tampa a couple years back, and they were telling me to walk the beaches for snook. Is that the same down in Naples? Walk, oh yeah. Walk the beaches in uh inside the first roller. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that is a great thing, and I'm, and I'm glad you brought it up because a lot of people come down here, um, from fishing up north, and they have this idea about how they want to wade out and you know cast fifty feet out. Ye- none of that, man. <laughs> crack of dawn, get out on the beach. Crack of dawn, and um, just. Just walk slowly along the beach. Uh, morning fishing is way better on the Atlantic, at least to me, way better on the Atlantic side than the than the 
the Gulf side, but but the same um, the same rules apply. Just walk slowly along the beach and just watch that first trough. What, what you'll find is, and this was the craziest thing, first time I ever saw it in my life. Those snook will will get right in there as that wave rolls up on the beach. They will be like right there, their backs out of the water, almost touching the sand. So you don't have to even get in the water. You just walk along the dirt and watch that first wave trough. And that second wave trough, if you're on the East Coast, because the sun will back, you know, they'll be backlit. So that sun's cracking the horizon on the East Coast. You walk those Atlantic beaches, you just look ahead and you'll see fish. You'll see the shadows of the fish in that roller. And, um, you know, snook are kind of a weird fish. You know, if you, sometimes if you see them, if they see you, they're just not going to eat. So sometimes they get lockjaw. But uh, a lot of times the beach fish, when the, particularly when they're fishing in a school, I, I think you guys may have seen this with any, you know, any other kind of fish that you go for that, that schools up. When they're in a school, they tend to be a little more aggressive about beating each other out to get to that morsel. But, yeah, just walk along, look for the shadows, lead them a couple of feet, and strip, strip, and and hold on. And um, on the East Coast, you can get fish probably pushing 40 inches uh, on a special day. On, on the West Coast, I mean, the biggest one I've ever seen is, you know, probably barely three feet. Um, although, you know, if you're throwing bait, you know, threadfin herring or something on the uh, – you know, on bait casters, uh, you know, there's some special stuff to be found way back in there. If you if you got the right guy who's willing to show you his special spot. But still, a, a three foot uh, snook from the bank in the first roller all day. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a special deal, man. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It, it's it, it's not you know it's not a it's it's not a a big uh, pipe dream either. They're they're here. They they tend to move around. Um, a lot more in the summer. So what you'll see is for, for snook, I mean, uh, you know, I can catch them and I've seen them. I'm not, I don't consider myself an expert or anything, but what we found is, um, in the winter, the big snook tend to push way back into the back country. And that's why, you know, another reason why I use a bigger stick when I'm just prospecting around and I can't always see what I'm casting to I'm you know, casting spots. Cause you never know if it's going to be a monster or a, you know, or a foot long fish, but, but the big fish go back in, um, during the winter. And then as the season progress, as spring hits, those big fish move on the outside and the little fish will stay on the inside. And so, um, by the time you get to summer, it's hot early morning. Uh, the big fish will be cruising the beaches. And, and if you get towards, um, you know, like on the East Coast near Sebastian Inlet and stuff like that, early morning, there's huge snook. And on this coast, if you get up towards like Port Charlotte, Gasper Island and stuff, you can be sight casting for tarpon along the beach in the early morning um, and, and big snook. But the, big, but the bigger snook are really East Coast fish. Not that you can't get them on the West Coast, but all things considered, East Coast snook are bigger. West Coast snook are, uh, are a little smaller. That all sounds great. We're from Western PA. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't understand any of this roller snook kind of any talk like at all. You know, no, no, that's, that's <laughs> we're a bunch of rednecks. No, that's some some pretty. Yeah, well, I can't catch a steelhead, man. Ah, uh, we. You, know? you can come yeah. up. We'll, we'll put twenty on your line 
probably not going to be on them muddlers. You could you could probably get a few on those though. But uh, yeah, ah, they're dumb fish, man. What you're doing down there, it seems like you through all the the time you put in, you you've got to see a few different angles of fly fishing Florida, and uh, I'm sure there's there's plenty of shots at big fish along the way, huh? Yeah, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, said it. I've been lucky. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, like any, like anything else in life, uh, you know, you want to associate yourself with, uh, with success, successful people, um, uh, you know, uh, that, that share some of your same, um, you know, your, your same, uh, you know, concerns. And, uh, I, I've been really lucky. So what you know, you're my, saying is you... my, my first bonefish ever was a 36 inch bonefish. So what you're saying is That's you chased all. a pretty girl, you chased a pretty girl, and you, you know, you found a bunch of awesome fishing. Yeah, you know, I just, I, I lucked out. I mean, not that there haven't been setbacks along the way. I mean, we, we lived in um, Cutler Ridge when Hurricane Andrew hit, and um, while it didn't decimate my house, it tore the most of the roof off, and the water rained through the ceilings, and uh, I had to live in a trailer for like, you know, eight months. That's all right. They don't have basements in Florida anyway. No, no, they don't. That's why we laughed about that alligator movie that came out last summer. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So, hey, John, you've mentioned the the glades a couple times. Sure. Have you noticed any difference in the glades since you've been down there to now in the fishing? Well, you know, the the fishing ebbs and flows – I tend to fish more. I mean, that's a better question for some of the guys that fish Florida Bay. Uh, I tend to fish more uh, a little farther north, west coast, 10,000 islands type, uh, you know, muddy stained water. But we have seen um, ebbs and flows in, um, you know, in in things. Uh, The cold, there was a cold front a few years back that, you know, decimated the fishing. The reds came back fastest and and were, were everywhere. But but I suck at red fishing. There's, uh, like for some reason, I don't know what their color scheme is. I can't see them. Um, so, so I fished with a, a, a well-known guide, and we were sight fishing. I couldn't see a darn thing to save my life. But um, if, if you look at farther south towards uh, Florida Bay, there have been a lot of changes to upper Florida Bay, the grass flats, due to the, um, the water flow. Um, you know, the way I understand it is there is a critical um, ratio of salt water to fresh water for that brackish ecosystem to uh, prosper. And they're not it's not getting enough flow. So we've had a number of huge um, seagrass die offs, which um, I don't know if you ever fished upper Florida Bay, <clears throat> you know, you're typically. What the, what the Fish and Wildlife has done in the state and the feds, they, they've uh, mandated all these uh, no no motor zones to so get to this shallow stuff. And, you know, your fishing water is less than a foot deep. And, um, you know, redfish in there, bonefish at the eastern, eastern and southern fringes. But what we've noticed is um, the seagrass die-offs turn some of these areas just into dead zones. And... Uh, that's what they're really trying to, um, you know, they're, they're trying to remedy that. So that's, that's what I've seen um, down here. The biggest change is, you know, there's so much development now and they're not really allowing the natural, um, you know, natural flows to, uh, to exist. 
they're, they're trying to get them back. But but right now we're still fighting an uphill battle at this point. And, and if you go farther north, where I have seen something, I don't know if it's even of interest to you guys, but like Crystal River, awesome place for seeing manatees and stuff like that. Um, I, I was fortunate, like in the 90s, I was on a, a, a project where we had to walk like a, a um, natural gas pipeline easement. And so for 30 days, I had to walk, me and my partner, um, that, that we were, I, I can't even believe I was paid for it. I had to like just walk through the woods, America. walk through these swamps. Um, like I, I, I probably logged over 200 miles by myself um, in some just beautiful areas. And so at the end of the day, we go back to the hotel. The hotel was like right there on the Crystal River. And so we'd hop in the, rent the John boat and go putz around and snorkel because we were, you know, drenched in sweat and, you know, wet from the swamp and just putz around with a couple of beers. And the water, the first time I ever saw it in my life, it, it was like air. Crystal River was like air. You could be in it and you could see 100 feet across the little pond that you were in. You could see the bluegill 100 feet away like nothing, like air. And then last time I went with my uh, wife and kids, we all we're all certified now, certified divers. And we went up there and did one of these, uh, you know, uh, dive with the manatees things. And oh my God, it was a horror show. Um, not everywhere in Crystal River is like that, but but I was just shocked because I I had seen it what it was, and to see it like this kind of green tea stuff was was really bad. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know. We're battling it right now. I'm sure you guys have your little battles uh, dealing with, you know, the, the big development of stuff like that. Uh, you know, the springs, natural springs, as everybody wants to kind of crowd them. And, uh, you know, some of them are absolutely spectacular. And, you know, we're having to battle like Nestle up there near Ginny Springs right now to uh, keep them from sucking out a couple million gallons a day. So that's kind of what I've what I've seen, just, you know, like everywhere else. We we, we got to start valuing uh, the natural. I think we got to start valuing the natural areas a little a little higher. So you keep mentioning these steelheads, man. You ever caught one of them things? Actually, never landed one in my life. I've I've hooked three. Oh, that's I why was, that's um, why you're hooked. I understand now. I understand. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, you know, it was actually before I, I I worked myself. I got you know at one point I had a small company that had five people. Now it's really, uh, you know, like three people. But, I, you know, I, I review environmental reports for the banks. And before I made the decision to leave the company I was with, which was kind of like a, a dramatic decision years ago. <laughs> you know, nowadays I think, you know, things are so disrupted all over the planet. Maybe it's an easier jump now than it was back then. But uh, or, or, or maybe not. It's, you know, maybe it's the same kind of thing. It's a big, it's stressful jump. But um, I, I took a trip up to um, Alaska on the Kenai and we just did the self-guided thing with a couple guys that I had knew that, that I had met and, you know, through work. And, uh, you know, we spent like two weeks on, on the uh, Kenai Peninsula near Nanilchik. And I hooked three steelhead and my jaw just dropped because <laughs> it was like a, a freshwater tarpon, man. The, the first one I hooked, it, it hit like a truck. And then rather than turning and, you know, blowing downstream. It like went all, all the, slack, uh, huh? Like all the salmon did. It turned and it lo it went like a locomotive and it um, porpoised upstream and then it jumped and then it turned and then went back downstream and then it you know, broke off. 
<laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I can relate somewhat. Yeah, you had some you real know, ones maybe there. Not as much. So being a South Florida guy, how'd you uh, handle the the Alaska weather while you're up there? Oh, love it. Yeah, love it. I mean, I, I grew up in New England, so um, yeah, even did. though my blood is thinned living down here, you know, the fact that we live down here so long and it's always so damn hot, um, you know, it's just so hot that, you know, when you take a trip up north, you relish that uh, couple of weeks of uh, of nasty freezing weather, mostly because you know you're going to go home and it's going to be great again. He <laughs> <laughs> had, had a fallback plan. So were there some yeah. fish? were there some fish brought to hand on that trip? Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, dollies or of, uh, silvers, silvers, awesome. And then, um, then we did a fly out to Iliamna, Lake Iliamna, Pike, or I, I think it's Lake Iliamna. Anyway, I, I, I hooked. Well, it, it was a crappy day. It was one of those weird. I'm sure you guys have had like certain sort. You know, you plan something. You're gonna go on this day, and then every time out. Well, Eight I mean, Alaska is uh, this wilderness. You know, I don't care what part of it is. It's all you know, related to the wilderness. So the, the plane had a problem and they had to fly in an FAA certified mechanic to certify this part before you could go. So, so the most beautiful day we were up there was the day we were supposed to fish and we couldn't because um, the plane was down. And then they, when they fixed it, we flew out on this rain, nasty rainy day to um, the Iliamna river and I think I was the only one of our five-person group to land a single fish, but uh, but it was epic. It was a 24-inch uh, rainbow trout, and um, up until that time, I'd never caught a rainbow trout that took me into my backing. Um, so it was a it was a you know pretty pretty burly fish. Take it. Yeah, man, those are crazy fish up there. Did you fish some of your flies? No, at the time I didn't. Uh, I had had my flies with me, but the guy, you know, it was a crappy day, and the guy really insisted on this uh, this sort of pink, pink and orange wool um, wool fly that looked like a, I guess it just looked like an egg. Hunk of meat. So I fished an egg fly. Gotcha. <laughs> nah, that's the that's the what throw the throw the flesh. So the first time I ever got one of your flies, it was in a smallmouth. Uh, swap on the Drake, and let me tell you what—it murdered some hybrids. But uh, oh, cool! Have you ever had the chance to catch smallmouth? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, uh, a few years back, I was up in Maine, where, where I guess I, I the way I understand it, there's no fish in Maine. Obviously, uh, <laughs> SOBS uh, also stayed on this little. Uh, my, my neighbor down here in, in Naples actually used to have a house uh, up near Naples, Maine, and so. Uh, Two families rented this this house and um, kind of I don't know whether it's like a mother in law's house next door. And we hung out there. And I was able to throw some tiny little streamers on uh, on Long Lake, Maine, and surprisingly, it was um, you know I was able to get a couple of uh, small you know smaller smallmouths. It was uh, kind of cool. I mean, they, they hit nice. They hit like a, they hit a lot like a largemouth. But they, the difference between them and a largemouth is they don't give up, whereas a largemouth will give you five minutes of fury. Uh, a smallmouth kind of, you know, keeps it going for a little more. Oh, yeah. till they, till they don't have water under them. Yep. They're always the yeah, rowdy well, guy at the bar. Well, well, just to kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier, peacock bass, peacock bass are like jacks. A peacock bass will never stop, even a little one. Even when you've brought them onto the land and you're trying to lip him, they will still thrash about until your you know your thumb is raw 
And if you're dealing with big ones, they're, the raspiness of their jaws is way worse than a largemouth. They will just tear you to blood. Of, of course, not like a, a pike or a, a muskie or anything, but these suckers will not give up. They will bend the hooks on uh, plugs like rapalas and um, shad wraps and stuff like that. They will just tear stuff up. My favorite. So it's hard to get a picture of you with a with a peacock, probably, if they don't give up and they, they always flop around. Oh, no, man. You always drag, you know, you always uh, suffer through it, right? Yeah, obviously. For, for the shot. Hey, man, I tell like, I, I told you, if you ever get down this way during the winter, there's a there's a little hole I found way in the Everglades, man, off of 41 that's got some, uh, it's got some giant monsters in there, man. Do some of them fish have, have Chad's name on the side of them? They say Chad yeah. on the side. <laughs> Dude, I'm coming for sure. I got three weeks of vacation now, and my my spring vacation got canceled because of the corona. I'm coming, man. <laughs> yeah, do it. Well, make sure. Well, see, make sure it's low water. So uh, winter, um, next winter, man. Do it. Okay. So uh, December. We're get we're gonna get into this. We're a dog friendly house around here. Oh yeah, all of us. Do do we get to hang out with Spuds McKenzie? Sure, man. Are sure, I, got two, I got two crazy ones. What are your they're, dogs? They're, and they're supposed to be they're supposed to be English bull terrier, miniature English bull terriers, but both of them are like fifty five pounds. So, oh uh, shit! They're like these muscle bound little monsters. And I see that they like hanging out in the pool. Yeah, one of them, the the <laughs> female will actually um, get in the pool. She likes getting in the pool. The, uh, the male dog, Ghost, which is the all-white one, well, he's white with splotches. Um, he fell in a couple times when he was a puppy, so he's not um, – he doesn't really like the pool. He'll hang out by the pool. Although we had an – before this uh, podcast, we had an unfortunate incident. Uh, he was out there without his ball, and um, the two dogs collided and got into a little bit of a scrap. So uh, I, I don't know if you've ever seen – you know, these bull terriers look really – you know, really cool. They're super nice. They're they're generally really easygoing dogs, but if they ever pop off, they sound like um, you know, like the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we had to push them in the pool to uh, get them to stop doing what they were doing. <laughs> it's like when I have to spray a hose on Jay to get him to stop when he's on a rant. You're damn yeah. right. <laughs> stop licking yourself, Jay. <laughs> Shut up! The cool man, you got a nice headquarters there. Yeah, man. It, it, uh, this it, is Mom's House Central, dude. Are you kidding me? This is Chad's mom's house, uh, the front room we grew up in since we were kids. It's, it's an awesome cool. place. We love it. There's a pond across the street. We fish forever. It's a. Uh, it's an. Awesome, it's an awesome place for us to get to record. Sounds cool, man. So, hey, John, is there anything that we haven't hit on that you would like to? I don't know, man. You hit on, um, you know, you hit on a couple of the, uh, you know, most of the stuff I really, I really like. You know, love, uh, favorite thing in the world is just getting back into the uh, Everglades National Park and uh, up into the, you know, the upper reaches of the creeks. And, uh, you know, I just like, uh, you know, I, I think fly fishing really is, is one of the best ways to get in there because as long as you keep the, you know, your boat uh, a set distance from the shore, you know, you can pick up and, and hit pocket after pocket after pocket, you know, 
couple of strips, pick it up, hit the next pocket without really worrying about, you know, getting too far into the bushes or, or too far out of the bushes. Um, I mean, the only thing about that, I think the only critical thing for people that are ever going to come down here, that are maybe used to fishing up, up your way is, um, a lot of the predatory fish, you know, there's kind of a sweet spot. You got to be kind of close to the structure in order to get them to, to hit. A lot of them aren't going to uncover themselves and swim 10 feet out to hit something. Um, and, and depending on the day and the conditions, you know, some of those fish will, uh, you know, you'll find out what that critical distance is, whether it's three feet or two feet or five feet. Um, and, and sort of circling back to peacock bass, that's why peacock bass are so cool because those suckers will come 20 feet away if they see mm. something they want and they will race in like a, it, it looked like an old, an old uh, 1940s World War II movie. You'll see this torpedo just sense. come racing in from, you know, 10 feet away and just bam. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, the, the only extra thoughts I'd add. Have you had uh, guys from up north up and noticed that they don't, they don't get it as well as uh, guys that are used to fishing the Everglades? Um, well, you know, I mean, I guess years, a few years back, I fished with a lot of trout guys that didn't, um, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to sound disparaging. It's just like we, our, our world down here is a different kind of world, you know, especially if you're fishing um, salt water, you, you like wind is just part of the, is part of the ecosystem. So you got to be able to cast, even if there's wind, even if the wind's howling, you got to somehow work through it. Um you know, I'm not perfect at it, but I've learned to kind of deal with it. And the, and the only thing I've, I've, I guess that's the only thing I, I noticed different from a lot of people that are used to fishing um, some of these narrower river systems. They're not um, super comfortable with kind of going hard at, at distance to, to hit that spot. Um, but a lot of them pick it up. And again, you know, go back to what we said before, and you know, not to name drop the Drake guys. I, I've met so many people from there that are uh, i know they're kind of that that form was a little dysfunctional and you know there's a lot of stuff on the internet about but a lot of the people i've i've met through there that i fish with all those people are super passionate and so most of the people that i've bumped into um and fished with are incredible incredible fly fishermen just incredible um fishing with a couple guys from uh you know like the portland area that would put you know, keys guides to shame and how far they could cast, um, with, with very little effort. Um, so yeah, I, I learned, I've learned, learned a lot from guys that I fish with from, uh, you know, up, up North. I'll tell you, you what, know, I think that's the biggest it, part out of all the guys I've met from the Drake. I'm by far the worst fisherman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? man, it's, 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 it's just a weird, I'm telling you, it's a weird little ecosystem, right? I mean, a lot of these people, it's almost like they, uh, you know, they go on there just to kind of pop off. But there's some people that are holding on to some pretty hardcore, um, hardcore tricks under their, uh, you know, under their sleeves. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, probably, I think the very first guest we ever had on our show was uh, Ron, uh, Red Chaser. Oh, yeah. He was like Ron from Louisiana. Guest, and we've had Ben. We, that's, uh, that's what we do when... Uh, when we're like, we need to, we need a Drake guest. Come on, let's let's get a Drake guest. So uh, that's what we do every once in a while. Pull pull some Drake stuff out of the the back pocket, and uh, they've all been spot on. 
the best people. Yeah, I mean, it's like well, the I, best I mean, it's people. like a little bit of a catalyst. It introduced you to people that uh, you know. I, you know, I'm friends with, you know, dozens of them now from, uh, you know, through Facebook and Instagram and, and in person. So it was kind of a kind of a cool place because it's sort of it's different from the typical, you know, some of the typical forms you get on there. And, you know, it goes back to like that silly, you know, the silly question, like, what's the best five weight <laughs> or or something? What's like your that. favorite five weight? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think with, I know that guy. He's a you dick. Know, you more with the like some of the underlying substance of like what these people are about and and what they're you know the way they fish and why they fish and how they fish than sort of like you know because the end of the day I, I think as long as people are flexible and and they're you know comfortable with their level of skill and the level of skill that they're fit the people are fishing with you know yeah you, you know you just got to be able to roll with the punches and learn from the people you can learn from and teach the people you can teach. And, um, as long as everybody's kind of got the right attitude, it all, uh, you know, it all comes down the wash. Heck yeah, man. I don't think yeah, I could have said any better. Right? What? Along with a couple of bourbons, right? Absolutely. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> he said bourbon. Amen. That's how we're rolling this evening. <laughs> Deal. Like I said, Jay has to go back to work tomorrow. Might as well be hungover. Oh, right? you damn right. <laughs> Walking like I do every Monday. So, hey, John. Good. Wearing a mask. <laughs> I'll be wearing a buff tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, I work construction, so there would just be me and maybe one other stinky old man. So it won't be too bad. Oh, cool, cool. Mark, do you wear one while you're at work? It is. It is right now state law for anybody to yeah. work in Ohio and Pennsylvania yeah. to wear the mask while working. Yeah, I gotta wear. Wow, it. I'll be wearing a buff for sure. That's what they said we should do. I guess I'm. But, but I, shoppers, it's it's choice. I'm like Judas Priest. I've been breaking the law because uh, I don't think I can catch a corona laying underneath of a semi. Well, the one of those stinky old man. I don't think I'll be too far off. And we, you know, it depends. If I'm tearing out a bathroom, I'll be wearing a mask anyway. Yeah, you know, watch out for that, uh, for those old, uh, you know, pre-1980s houses, man. You gotta look out for yourself. <laughs> yeah. The lead paint. That's the ones I live in, bud. And the asbestos. Lead paint and oh, asbestos, yeah. dude. Come yeah. on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how Jace goes to sleep. He nods wait, on the window wait, seals. Wait. <laughs> little, add, a little, add a little bit of... Uh, yeah, uh, furnace exhaust for razzle dazzle. What do you What do you mean, bud? Welcome to the north. <laughs> a little, little carbon monoxide is. Just yeah, really if you can't handle the carbon monoxide, did we can't hang out at my house? That's what gets you to nod off. Makes your kids super strong though. They be- beat all the other kids out of everything. Jesus. All right. Hey, thank you for your time. This has been amazing. I'm sorry we went so left there at the end. Oh no, man! Hey, I appreciate it. I'm, you know, glad to chat, and uh, you know, thanks for the opportunity. You you've given yeah. me a new perspective on my blurs. Any questions? Happy to answer any questions and trade flies with anybody that uh, I don't I don't sell flies, but I'll, I'll give away. But but the only hang up is if you catch something cool, you got to send me a picture. Awesome. Speaking of that, I sent you a uh, a game changer down. Did it ever get thrown yet? You know, I, I, I wiggled it around a little bit. I didn't really... Um, <laughs> I wiggled it around. It. I didn't... It was kind of a windy day, and I haven't really... To be honest, I haven't really put it put it through its paces yet. I was going to say... I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture for certain if I uh, if I bag something good on it. 
Hell yeah, that's all I want. Hey, those look. <laughs> did you shut it off, Chad? Those look better. Those look better uh, out of water. Just, just so you know, okay. Oh, whatever. That's what them them changers are about. They just they're to look good. I, well, okay, but before you guys go, I mean, game changers seem to be a big fly up up there. Um, it looks like it's a lot of work. Throw a full sink on it. Be it, it moves great on a full sink. You mean to make yeah. them to, no. t- to tie one? Well, I just mean to make them. Yes, oh. yes. It's, it's like a lot of effort to make them. A lot things. of work. And you got an extra hour? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For one fly? Well, or don't more? you? I mean, you know, at some point you get this like diminishing returns. Like I, I've seen those things, and I and I follow a bunch of people on Instagram that post these. I mean, these works of art. They're not flies to lose. Changes, but it looks to me like it's just a lot of work. For something that it, it doesn't swing. okay I mean I think while I don't think you can get the perfect the perfect swim of a game changer without all those shanks I think you can get, get close, close to that without that work true you know true. I I think a clouser catches as many fish as a game changer does and why waste you as much time I think some Come on, of- man is cheating. Some it's mater- not cheating. It, it's not Clouser cheating. Cheat. It's not cheating. How is it cheating? It's wait, a jig fly. It's wait, are, are you gonna say that because there's like all kind of lead on it? Is that <laughs> no? I, I is, don't know. It's it's just a great fly. It catches everything. I just um, it's it's pretty. It much works too good. Bubblers, man. It's your worm on a hook for fly fishing. Is yeah. That, <laughs> it, there you go. <laughs> I I could understand that, but yeah, the them clousers do work and and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do the mudder, muddlers apparently, right? You're you're proof on uh, just a, yeah, a simple they, they simple bait fish pattern, man. No, it's a, everybody out here is time flies that are you know, like you said so complicated, it's a hassle to make. If you can find something that's bare minimum, by all means, throw it and and put it to use. And still looks pretty, like the way John ties them. Oh yeah, oh, they yeah, look great. I couldn't tie a muddler like that. Mm-mm. Oh man, I could teach you. I could teach you a little trick. Beautiful looking flies for giving away to friends that still work good and only take you like uh, twenty minutes. Sounds like a video in the making. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, th- I-, I think that's uh, maybe what I'm going to do. I-, I actually have uh, I have the phone on a little stand here that I got just to talk to uh, you guys. Well, there you go. That that's awesome because we didn't have a stand. I've been holding it the whole time. <laughs> Yay, Chad! Chad's <laughs> arms are huge. Man, he only has one arm to drink with now. So, so yeah. <laughs> no, that's pretty cool. Uh, it seems like the new the new wave to more so be on videos at, at chatting like we are here. Uh, we were using a Zoom platform for some meetings and I don't know. I guess fishing meetings get everything together. It's a little easier to talk like this as as looking at each other and and you could show me say you were going on a fishing trip. Is this right? Is this the right gear? So. Yeah, it's pretty cool to to actually put a face to the to the, you know, it's a little different from what we normally do, and it it's exciting. So cool, like, man. Yeah, it's yeah like I'm, you're I'm right glad. in the room. I, I appreciate the invite, and uh, hope I didn't uh, talk your ear off because uh, my wife tells me that I uh, my mouth just runs forever. He's a rambling man, faking it like that. Oh, we're getting into it. So it Mark, quite that that much. <laughs> so Mark, get into some of the story. Yeah. So Mark so went out by himself. I did. I did a little musky trip. Our local lake, which has virtually no musky, but what there is, like crappie. So I found crappie Wednesday. And I went back, or whatever day it was, we found crappie. Went back out, tried to find muskies. 
fished a few sections where the crappie were and went down, went to start off in this bay just to see if there's fish post spawn off the edge of it. And you know right where I'm talking. It was oh, right, it was right, yeah. Oh, it was yeah. right dead behind where I landed that last muskie there. When you told and me this, this story in like my a, house, I'm imagining this like it's happening. Oh, so this, this this little like, I don't even want to, you don't even want to call it a bay. It's like a little cut, but it's perfectly shaped. It's like 80 by 80. So what's the shape like, Mark? 300 pounds? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the left leg. <laughs> Big in circle. Oh so, so it's probably like 80 by 80 by 70 deep. And you like you like turn in, and I'm fishing the whole edge of it. And did you say by 70 deep? He did. 70 yards, or feet. Oh, I, I think he meant deep. Oh, no, no, no. It's like 15 foot deep. Like okay. 70 foot deep, like inside. Yeah. That's where it comes. And like, now, mind you, like it comes to the point, but at the back end of it, it's like the end of this walking trail. So the trail's maybe 20 foot off of it. And there's people walking dogs, and then there's some other like people running by. And I'm fishing, and I keep like looking up and seeing people. And I look, look up, and there's this one guy, and he's like looking around and kind of like does this hand gesture. And I'm not thinking anything of it. I make a few casts. I look up, and there's this chick coming. And I'm like, chick uh, is is that loosely stated? That's loosely stated. We, we could <laughs> we could probably get into heifer. Is term. the heifer coming? We could get into heifer terms. <laughs> the heifer coming. I look up. I'm like, oh dear God, this chick's well over like 300, sundress, and has not even realizing I'm 40 foot below her, looking straight up. They're like, this is terrible. You saw the birth canal? Oh, I'm telling you, it was like, I'm like, of all the things that I've seen fishing, this takes the cake right now. <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't even know what to do. So, now, mind you, the funny part is, is. Did she give you a golden shower? There's people. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yes. I had to go right there. <laughs> so, I broke so why was the guy hand gesturing you? Not me. He oh, was okay. hand gesturing her because then they disappeared for about yeah, twenty true. minutes, and I stuck a big fat large mouth in the corner. And he was sticking <laughs> he stuck a, big, a big fat then, one, and yeah. I was like, "So did that guy?" And then by the time I got to the end of the end of it, he, they were walking their way out. Yeah, like, that was my joke yeah. in the house. He's like, "He, st- I stuck a big one right after that." I'm like, "Yeah, that guy did too." Yeah. Oh, that's great. Here, I got I got I got to say this. That was a nice large mouth. It was. It was a huge you're, large mouth. You're month. talking about boats and we're it's 75 6 degrees. So so I just look at the local weather. We will not hit 60 for almost 2 weeks. It's supposed to snow there, again on Friday. The lows every night are all below under 40. Oh no, we got it's snow oh, again got on Friday. 31. Yeah. You know we what got, though? As Fishermen, it's gonna stretch like the streamer out. fish. Oh, oh, it's we can't sh- complain about no, this but at I, all. But I mean, this is perfect for keeping streamer temps going. But as long as the rain stays down, it'd be amazing. Yes, and it, there's no rain this week. It's no, no, zero. you're right. It the the river's gonna go right back down. Yep. So next weekend, could we maybe just be, maybe? And I'm gonna knock on wood and just maybe get through one whole year of temps. We uh, fish all year round, possibly. It, it's looking uh, like it's last so far. year wasn't it's too been far about off four, though. Four, last year was close. We had about a month and about six week period where it, it really got hot. But then no, I mean there was days I but was that was even in, in September. July. Yeah, in September I went for muskies. I mean it like that was 70s. I'm saying like it was like August to maybe even like the first week or two into September were the hotter weeks last year. Yeah, July got real nice for a while. Got it, real cool. It, well, it was it was just such high water. The water couldn't get that hot last yeah. year. We had, you know, this year has been a lot less rain. 
This year, we haven't had the rain. Last year, the last two, three years now have been heavy, we, heavy rain. Four years ago, we're not at we a had, lack of we rain. We had lower rain no, in this time good. of year. We just, we just got the rain like three good times instead of how we had it last year where it rained for All a month. Oh, the time. Uh, well, uh, well, two months. no, you know February. I mean? We were blown out of February last year. It was February. We we knew by February the amount of rain we'd got through February and March. There were no hopes that they were going to lower our river even before July. This year, it's like You've the way that there has been an ebb and a more. there's been an ebb and a flow. You know, there's been a high. Okay, it's going to come down. There's a week of no 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 rain, so now it's going to come down at least. Well, there we were be a weekend that we could almost fish been predicted. We were yeah, minus a little. Well, that's, we were that's minus okay. ten that's feet. Okay. Yeah. We were I minus ten feet of water, yeah. and we took that right back, and now we're kind of bumping here and there. So yeah. so. To well, have we all go that a water, full week as long without, as it stays dry. If we go a full week without rain, I mean, it's already, we're yeah. already five days, but four days without it. Now. Yeah. No, we could We've do already it. pumped a couple of that foot back yeah, out. Yeah, there was a, there was a I, lot yeah, I agree. of so we'll rain. Be, yeah, but we'll be back down to below pool here at the end of a week. Yeah, no, rain. it was only 2.7 feet high today, I think, so that lake will it's be back what, to 2, normal right in now? three days. Yeah, it's really high. Is 2,000, it? over 2,000, yeah. Well, that's good, though, because that lake was only two foot. So if it's, it's pumping perfect, a lot, it's going to yeah. pump that lake down quicker. Yeah, that'd be, that's it'll the best. Get, yeah, it'll get it back to normal. Yeah. I still want to get down below the di- and actually actually wade the dam again. Just keep trying for it, because there's muskies in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. But there's really nice pike in there right now, too. There's and huge there's pike Big there. wipers that'll eat musky flies. There's huge everything you, right there. Put it like this. The if you, if you want to catch right it's always there. nice to get there a couple times in, in early in the if year. If you want to catch those fish. Right there. They're like oh, this yeah. big there. If you want to catch those fish, now's the time yeah. when it's high. And you can fish from the opposite side shoreline. You can cast over there. That, you walk in the other I way. I mean, like, yeah. if you want to catch a big fish. It, it's Enter in that cut. Well, they're back. They can't be up hiding like they are against the wall. So it's. Yeah, that's a. It's. I was down there the other day and checked it out. It was <coughs> lower water then, but high now feet. this high water is the perfect storm. It's going to so, bring all the fish, spring fish running, move them so around. So speaking of that, I have a new best friend, Uncle Scott. Uncle I love Scott. this guy. So, nah, Scott Grassy. Uh, he got the, He came down and he fished with my dad and I, and we what? went to a place where it was. A, it was just a little too high to fish. This is a song that came on yesterday during the. When everything happened, it was just a little too high to fish at the time. But we were able to wade. My dad wouldn't wade through the whole thing. I'm running through it like a jackass, like I shouldn't have been. Uh, I'm just running all over it. And even Scott wouldn't wade in some spots. He's like, "You're you're nuts, dude. You're just stupid." Like I wouldn't I wouldn't wade right there. Need a man. I I I'm getting floated down by the river. You I almost just... died twice yesterday. <laughs> Chad, I, I told Mark about one of them. Chad watched me jump out of the boat in about waist-high water that was moving at Mock for a $7 fly. Hey, I saved that $7 fly. Yeah, but that was one but I... But he, he kicked a banana downstream. I did kick a banana downstream. <laughs> <laughs> jump one. It was a big one. Oh, Scott and I saw it swimming down. You just... Jumped out the boat and it happened to be where you jumped in the water. Oh, right around, probably where, right above. It was, it was actually probably above. You guys didn't right see above it. a riffle. Yeah. So it was probably sitting in that riffle. And when Scott and I were, dude, shuttled down. This was some seriously, seriously moving water. I shouldn't have jumped out of the boat. No. <laughs> no. Nobody advised me. Scott probably thinks I'm a lunatic about waiting. 
But yeah, you know, I don't. I, I just I, I don't think about. I've never thought about. But he's unemployed. He has to have seven dollars no, to spend. The problem is, I just don't <laughs> think. I never think about the. The consequences? The falling in. I don't ever fall in, so the, I don't think... Or I used to I used to fall in a lot when I was younger. You don't think about your daughter growing up without a father? I just don't think about it. I don't think. I just I just go. I just... You know, it's not, I'm never going to fall. I'm not going to fall. That's my thought process. I'm glad my dad thinks twice, though. He's getting a little older. I'm glad he doesn't live life on the edge like that. But we went out and uh, didn't move a smallmouth where I thought we would at first. Uh, got into a spot. I... I caught one hybrid, and I, the same, uh, I just gave Chad a, a pose for a picture that showed my hands, like, as far as they could go away. This hybrid hit, and I thought it was the one. I thought it was one of the big ones, like, Jace's caught, you know. I haven't caught any that, that that big, you know, like, 18 pounds or 15 pounds or anything. So, it felt like it was the one, you know. It felt like it was 12 pounds. It was, like, five. <laughs> you, you, listen, listen. I pulled it into myself and was able to get it in myself, and... I'm like, God, these things fight like they're Tyson. Like they just have, they throw the biggest punches they ever could. The smaller th- ones are the track stars. I think my uncle said he it hit. best. He said the one I caught, no one will catch one like that. I don't think ever. Count your count your blessings to even even get the chance at one like that because you're right. I thought I caught a big one the one time with you, and some, yeah, and a few yeah, other that one times. was really big. And then I thought I caught a real big one, and then I caught the the one. So there's. What did you think? What did that one you think weighed? Eighteen. Yeah, seventeen. I would say seventeen to be safe. But what do those fish put on? There's not eggs or nothing. There's just bulk spring bulk. They, they put on a bunch of shad weight. <laughs> yeah, it's well, just, they're like, just bulky dude, well, in that. Really? This time of year, they don't produce eggs, or just the males are no, non-fertile. They're I, sterile. Yeah, but... It, I mean, I can't look at one and say that's a male or a female so, or... Wait, wait, Mark. I'm sterile, and I still produce seed. Yeah, that's Ask what me I mean. I know. Like, that's what I mean. The, the, the woman will still... <laughs> You're the, sterile because it's been cut off. Yeah, but the female... Re- you got a microscope, that There's nothing there because it's, so, it's generations of being... Mutated differently, they just they don't produce it. They don't have the... They don't have wait, the, so I think they will still produce an egg. They still... At, look at the uh, Alabama... Hybrid reproduction uh, survey. They do they may, reproduce. They may, but from what I'm saying, they're from what I've been told. Uh, it's yeah, very, I think they're sterile. sterile. It's very limited, but they do. I mean, reproduce. does, so does I a fish have like a big slaunch of eggs? Is it going to be like? That's what I mean. Like, is is that the case, or is it just? I don't. They're big in the spring versus. Why? Why are the smallmouth that we're catching so I large right now? Like well, that. Yeah. That one that my dad caught was humongous belly. That's a female, right, with eggs. Mm-hmm. Right, that's why she's so big. She yeah. I I can't imagine one of those th- those two that you caught that had just the fucking giant bellies. Pardon my French, but uh, they had to be. They still have to have eggs in there. There still have to be eggs. The males have to be maybe infertile or not necessarily. I don't though. know because I mean, once you hybrid things, it, it, how they, the hell did they get so big? They lose that organ and they lose it with all kinds of other animals. So like you know, they don't lose the organ. They still produce eggs and. Does a mule still have a dick? Well, look. Right? But yes, it has a 
dick, Jason. I'm just asking. <laughs> a mule is an infertile animal, well, though. Mean, the same. That's exact same thing, though. A mule yeah. is the exact same thing. No, it's no, it is. It's a it's, donkey. It's and a hybrid. A, yes, yes, it's a hybrid. So, yes, and it's an infertile. And that's where I was going with it. Thing. I have no idea, but you're dealing with two different things. You're dealing with a we mammal. We call and a fish. Joel. <laughs> Joel would know about all these genetics. He but probably would. He probably would. Like uh, I there have no idea. Hundreds. Of I don't know. Hundreds of. I mean, I've just caught so many stripers in springtime, and I have never once ever seen one egg spewed. No, 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 never. never. And I mean, I've only ever fished for them in spring, so I mean, I don't. But where, where does a striper lay its eggs? Where they're not a, they're not like um at the rollover. Yeah, (laughs) to get blown away. But I mean, like we're at in the lake. Wait, you know, you don't. They really don't in the lake. (laughs) If you think about it, they all run up into you know where. But not per se. Not per se. That's their spawning activity when they run up there. Yeah, but not I mean, not so per se because they run in there to fall too. Well, how can it be so no, so different? Yes, they do. As timing, how can it be so different in timing? They run they yeah. run late, yeah. real late. They'll run whenever the water's high. But that's but what how I'm can it? How they'll can be that? there when their water's high? Yeah, that's a that is pretty odd. But who knows, mystery mystery. But it they're. Hey, they're magic. They're there. If anybody out there listening knows the answer to that, yeah. tell us. If no, we don't know. Apparently. If these fish can achieve more than 30 inches, it's a very rare. Also, that Just that strain or that, the living conditions or it our waterway. It wasn't all that long ago we had real stripers in the local lake. 15 years. Also, Jace, that, that hybrid you caught was six inches at its back. Six inches oh, wide. That was a... You like know what a I mean? baby tuna. Oh, it's more thick. In, oh, yeah. They're it was thick. six inches wide at its like, back. Think cheek to cheek, and then that for be going for 18 plus inches all the way down that wide, like that's a solid fish. It's oh, yeah. No so doubt I saw one. So no. eggs or not, that that's still a solid fish. Oh, yeah. Whether it had, it, I don't know. They, that's what I mean. It wasn't, it ain't like, like you said, that small mouth was busting. Don't you think a fish that's probably 10 or 12 pounds, don't you think it, if it was going to have eggs, it would have. An insane stomach on it, you know, and I never seen a striper like that. Not really. Seen lakes. Them bellied out where they like almost Some in lay the lake, flat. The lake fish so is heavy. shaped a little different, but yeah, they're they're, they're more, like thirty pounds though. Well, they're more tight. Pounds. They're more tight, you know, bottom to top. You're yeah. still hard pressed to find a seventeen pound fish on that lake. Though. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's that was big you'll for find, that was no, big for either side. Get, yeah, for either side, that's a big big one. Yeah, then them guys. Once you do clear catch, fifteen, you're getting to one. You may never catch another one like that again. Those are amazing, and if they're the, if they're the you know when I go fishing you, there, you hope you you think you could hold hope on. that right. The same thing that went with our uh, our little float, you know, I, I shot a couple of pictures to Scott about where we we're gonna go, and wait, who did? I mean, me and you both did. You said look up the boat launch. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, we we shot a couple pictures over, and he's like, oh, you know, okay, we'll go, I'll go, it'd be fine. You're right. Let's, let's have a good time. And I told him. And, and the you know, that one we saw, man. Uh, it it we, was like... like so what you're saying is like, we, we told like Scott the that one, the opportunity for the fish is there. Yes, like with Jace, with that fish. Like that when I go to a spot or when I go to those spots, that fish... That he caught in that picture is on my mind. Kind of expect to hook is, it. No, exactly. <laughs> I want to hook it. That's my goal. Like that's what I go for. That's what I live. To, that's what I'm there for. I'm not there to. I'm there to have fun first and foremost, and not be at work and having a good time and, and chilling with my boys. But 
I'm also there to catch the fucking one, and we take it seriously when we go, right, Mark? Like, when we go, even muskie fishing with Mark, it's like, I, he, Mark knows when I'm there, I'm, I'm damn serious. I, I want to catch fish. Oh, I'm not yeah, pissing yeah. around. You I'll, can net I, one for him. That's exactly. Why, that's why it, I it doesn't matter. Net, I'm a good net guy. I, I'm just, I'm serious though. I want to be there. I want to be in the moment. Like I, I want to row you to the fish. I want to be in the fish. I want to. The you goal, want to be in the fish when I wake up. When I wake up, or when I like when we're going musky fishing. Wife all no, the time. When, like you, like the goal <laughs> when you go musky fishing. Every time I leave the house to go musky fishing, I'm catching a 40 inch fish. Or we're putting a 40 inch fish in the boat. Yeah. That is my. That is the goal I leave the house with. Like and if you don't have that, especially as a musky fisherman, then get the fuck out because you don't you're you're not you're not you know you, you, you gotta have to be, you have you to, have to embrace defeat but always know you're gonna catch it, a fish and and always have the optimism and, and, and that and the next cast nice. expect on. the worst but pray for the best and the yeah. next cast is gonna be the fish and, and and if you don't live like that and with that kind of float with the float we do for the trout. The next cast could be the giant trout, or the or a good smallmouth, or a, you know a, the one fish you go for, you know the twenty inch or the twenty five inch football eating looking. Just um, I don't even know how to explain that fish, Chad. Can you? It looked like a brown and purple submarine that breached and flopped in the air for what felt like three quarters of a minute. It was up and went side to side. Whoosh, 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 <laughs> whoosh. Oh, my God. I, I wish like, it did. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then... Chad, Chad was handing me the net back like, I don't want to net that. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't let me be the one that fucks this up. <laughs> but I said, net it till first, you jackass. <laughs> oh, no, but... Oh. But it didn't resort or didn't end up coming down to that. No, it did. Someone else fucked it up first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it did. Yeah. Oh. Oh, geez. So, so uh, let let's let's do this first. Okay. So Scott, um, Scott Grassy, Scott Grassy, came. our good friend, my good buddy. I take out fishing all the time with me now. I love him. And if we didn't love him so much, we wouldn't give him such a hard time. Oh, he's a great fucking fisherman. You know what, dude? Balls. He. Was not super comfortable rowing, but by the end of the day, got a groove. He was going through some serious, serious white water. Yeah, like serious, dude. The lower end of that could get. Yeah, it gets big. It could get, yeah, and it's with, interesting with the flows that we had, it was pumping, pumping. fast and rolling, dude. It was rolling. I and put water over top of. The whole front of the end. I, I mean, purposely. Yeah. But I ran, I was having fun. I ran Chad through a giant riffle and just, boom, buried the front end. And all kinds of water comes over the front of the boat. Yeah. It, it was a good time. It it was serious. And Scott, he held his own. When it was his turn to row, he held his own. And he got super comfortable doing it. And you know, he put me onto a fish. Yeah. No, you did. Nah, it, you know, it's... The what we're what you try to teach people after you try to teach them not to die you not to kill you especially in that little small place not to kill you really but it's boat control yeah is 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 boat positioning and boat positioning there is very hard well we've had a couple instances with someone that we thought we were gonna die oh yeah <laughs> well, plenty there and even that you know like like if we're fishing our local for smallmouth boat positioning is very easy unless there's heavy wind pushing up into your face then it's you know, you're almost just you're, you're front, you're rowing. front rowing and pushing through the wind and, and slowly fishing through sections if you're catching fish. You know, there, it's always movement down. You know, nine, nine times out of ten, it's movement down. 
moving downstream, even with the wind, still moving downstream fast, you know, and then you go through the riffles with big rocks, and it's, you know, and there was no getting out. I mean, the one little, one spot where I had to actually take the boat out, but, I mean, there was no getting out, no spots. I mean, it was all just maneuvering, and he, he didn't, uh, huh? No, one time I think it was, uh, we're, yeah, you're not gonna, you're gonna hit that rock, you're gonna hit that rock, no, I'm not gonna hit that rock, and I hit that rock, and then he bet, rolled us around one rock. That was all the beginning, though. Yeah. By the end, it was starting to get into, hey, hey, yep. move me five feet over here, because now I'll be in better position. Move us, and then, you know, and he's like, hey, Captain J, where you want me to be? You know, you know, you know, so... The, the jabbing was it was it was good it was funny you know he learned quickly quick a lot quicker than most other people I've ever taught to row yeah and and we weren't working with a blank canvas he, no he did have a background in yeah. rowing yeah but not that creek is I, that's we told technical him, we told him Scott if you can row here you can row anywhere in anyone's boat and feel comfortable you know yeah that's that's one of the tougher places there. So uh, Scott has a syndicate rod, like syndicate brand rod, <laughs> God. that he said we should definitely give a shout out to. Yes. Because this rod did not break. And it flexed like, <laughs> okay, so. It was flexing in the butt section. Okay, so like, you know that, you know that stretch. Okay, you go through and then, have you been over the place where we have to usually get out and we take the boat over? Over the log. The log. Well, Chad sends it, you know, it's, it's high. Send well, it. We'll send it. Send it, Dave. We're just in about, bam, right over top of that thing. Well, right below that is that pine tree strainer. So we run through that pine tree strainer, and Scott, we should have just had every rod put away. I, I should have known better. And Scott's rod goes through this strainer, dude, and it's like bent to the cork on one. And I'm like, you didn't, and then I'm hearing pat, 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 and things are snapping. It's, it's, it's branches, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it, it was. It looked. I mean, I thought it was sucker held up the whole way through. Dude, it, it looked harmful for my boat. And I'm like, man, I I didn't see that rod surviving. Mine got tucked way down quick, like underneath my ass. Like, it was. But but that syndicate rod, it held up. Yeah, I was I was like, it came out the other end, and I'm like, that's not broken. <laughs> All right, Chad, anchor up. I said, I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. It held in, dude. <coughs> and but, then do a nice molly and uh, so Scott, what it got out of his mouth? He said, "This is where the hogs lay." So we, oh yeah, what about the we, smallie though? So the small, no, we run that. We run the song, dude. Informer, the song that we opened like a up to. Decent fish, what sixteen, seventeen, seventeen, That's little, good yeah. yeah, yeah. We we taped in everything. That's a good and uh, oh, it was a great fish. It ate a D and D. Yeah, and up a little higher than I thought, and I told we told we put we told Scott, and he'd hit a couple other fish on the D and D as well, and because uh, he'd never fished one, never knew one, never like really seen no, one. No, and it was like we're like, all right, we stopped for a little while, and Scott took a dip in the water, and we, uh, you know, um, I was like, hey, why don't you put this full sink on? You know, Chad was like, put a full sink on. I was like, put this fly on, man. I'm like. You know, two strips down, let it, let, your, let your sink tip get down just for a second. Two strips down, that fly's going to dig. You know, and the more you strip it, the more little, you know, act like it's jacking off a gerbil. I gave him a little motion, like my hand, you know, like I do. Like Jason, like, like when he jacks like, off. Like, yeah, like the way I jack off, you know, I'm like, just, just, like, just like this. Fast and vigorous. 
And uh, that that fly will dig though the more you do that, and it's dude. These fish go nuts over it. They love it, you know. And boom, that fish comes on. Another fish is on it, and then we get down to this spot, big churny giant churny churny spot with all kinds of giant big boulders and rocks and he's like this is where the big boys lay and he's in there and not a not a half a second later boom he hooks up on this big ass fish and i'm and he's like chad's like oh awesome this is another small mouth and he's like no fuck no it's a big ass brown trout and, then, and this thing comes up, and we see it in the water, you know what I mean, for a second. It's moving, it's doing its thing, it's trying, it runs, and, and next thing you know, doesn't it, like, in a foot and a half of water, jump like three feet out of the air. And no shit, I, this thing looks like it swallowed a Nerf football. I'm like, it was all, it was that color, like, like when we've seen our friend catch there. It looks like a lake run fish almost. It's it, weird. I it don't definitely know. had purple iridescence coming from it. Oh. Like just black spots, like single black spots all up and down the side of it. It was because it was out out of the water for what felt like three minutes. It um, oh. Oh, it did too. It was it comes out and just like oh my god, look at this fish, and then it breaks off and then wow. You know, I'm usually not one to berate somebody after losing a fish, but... We didn't really yell at Scott. No, no. But we gave him the full hardcore front press. If you would if you would have lost that fish, Jace, I would have said the same shit to you. I wouldn't have lost it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think there was anything anybody could have done minus... Uh, Chad talked and I about it on the ride home. Other than uh, what's that when you like have a tarpon on and you lower your rod to it? Bow to the king. Bow to the king. I I think minus a bow to the king. I don't think anything was stopping that fish from like you guys don't want to do. I bet, I bet one of its teeth nicked the line during the fight. You know, I bet it did. Because during what 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 the whole what thirteen seconds or eight. Or seven? Was it a full ride? It was like six it was seconds, on but it for, no, it was no, on for a while. It was on for thirteen, fourteen seconds at least. We rode well, down there for a while, dude. I, it was in the air for on. eight, eight or nine seconds. I had, <laughs> I had time. I had time to get the the net out. I caught the net on the GoPro. He's still fighting it. The boat's still nice and positioned up and down, you know, creek. I get the net undone, hand it to you. You have the net for a second, and then I start. You're like, what do you want me to do? You guys want me to drop anchor? Or you think I should just start kind of... And you start ferrying, ferrying over... T- you know, this one way. And I just started ferrying kind of toward toward the bank, you know, a little more. Toward and then that's when it jumped. And then it just jumped big time. There was nothing... I mean, moving down the river, you know how it all is. It all is happening. I don't know of anything I could have done different. If I, if you if you anchor up right there, you're just going to put so much tension on Scott's rod. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's any better because of the immense amount of current. I don't think so. I think so, you did what you should have done. I think it just, that fish had been hooked before. That fish knew what the fuck it was doing. That fish has been hooked before. It was a big fish. It had been there a while. It wasn't It wasn't a rookie. It knew what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Throw your hook. It turned on somebody. It, it, it was like, dude, watch this. I'm going to jump three feet out of the air. I'm going to show you what I'm gonna show you what my pink looks like, yeah. and then I'm going to get the F out of Dodge. Yeah. I'm, yeah, more or less. It was like, hey, look at this. It's like it's like that fat girl that Mark looked up her skirt. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, she got out of Dodge. And, and yeah. it was like, hey, I'm out, bro. And Here it is. I'm talk, out. You know, we talked about this, though. Uh, 
if, if Justin Christopherson, if you listen to this, I need like uh, two D and Ds that are that red and brown color, and a, I still need that white uh, game changer. That was uh, the polar fiber. Yeah, polar fiber game changer. Put that in. I need those sent to me soon. <laughs> but uh, the awesome, awesome swimming flies, Justin. You know, I always, I pu- if I know I want to put somebody on a fish, I pull out one of Justin's flies that I don't ever use myself because I know I'm gonna stick them in a tree. So I pulled out one of his flies that I knew was gonna act right. And when he, when when Scott started fishing it, man, it acted really right. That fi- that fly was amazing. It did everything right. So Scott didn't have a sink tip. He just came with a floating line. And I had an old head from a a five-weight sinking line. Oh, jeez. So we just cut that five-weight fly line up, and uh, that was Scott's sink tip. Scott didn't want to nail knot it directly to his fly line because he didn't want to make his butt section shorter. So, like, the second section of mono that he had off of the fly line. His butt section of mono was, like, 30. so he had, like, fly line, 30, 15. Sink loop, tip right in Loop front to of loop it. to sink tip for, like, eight feet. Mm-hmm. To nail knot to serious? <laughs> 18 inches of mono. Is this a PJ leader? Then mono all the way along the reel out the rod, huh? <laughs> the fucked up part is, fucked up part is the, the fish broke right at... Like the fly at the fly at the loop of the fly. The fly is still was not still sticking. Obviously, that that fish is gonna push that fly out. And <clears> I would imagine probably the first five minutes, just because of the kind of fish it is, it's gonna go push itself on a rock and be like, I'm out, I'm done with this fly. Well, every every freaking stalker we caught, the Doesn't second matter. we put the second we put it in the net, the Hook fly popped out. out. That's because they're too little, little to hooks. dig a hook in. No, it doesn't matter. That thing we other fish with that in there and everything. He That'll won't be care. Gone, yeah, he don't. He, it won't. It's too big to gone anywhere but the side of his face. And you then you, I mean? then you. Next time you ride down, he's hooked along shore on a root. <laughs> Turn, Giant turned up. Two inch brown. It's got a hooked. football stomach. <laughs> the D and D is hooked. Did one this hooked. fish look like it ate every other giant? Fish down, or small fish down there. Like every ten-inch stocked rainbow looked like it ate. Oh, Jesus Christ! I love you, Scott. <laughs> uh, you know what? Maybe Better you know what it is. That's, that's hey, Jay and I. We got out to scout this little loop going around a down tree at the very end of the float. And we're like, Jay, uh, have we been too hard on Scott about this? He's like, I think we might be. I was like. Okay, let's not mention this uh that big brown trout for the rest of the float. He's like, Okay, but we can bring it up tomorrow, right? I was like, Fuck yeah, we can <laughs> <laughs> You know you know but that, I, I like having him in the boat because he's a great fisherman. And another fisherman might not have hooked that fish. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. You fished over that fish before he fished over that. Yeah, fish. Yeah, I didn't catch that fish, and I'm so, not a great fisherman. Obviously. Yeah, but but what what were you throwing? I was throwing a fly sinking that, line that got a fuckload of move or fuckload of follows on a sinking line or yeah yeah. yeah. So you were getting down. I was yes. throwing the the fly normally. Uh, big shout out to Dom Petruzzi. It's the sweet water in gold. Oh God, that fly gets so much. It does. It gets so much action. At that creek, you know, so uh, 
That you that, throw it the whole time. No, no, I threw. I was throwing a bunch of different shit. Um, I threw a lot of flies that a listener and uh, past guest Zach Buchanan gave us, and they swim good. I'm su- amazing. I'm surprised that one yellow fly I was thrown in the beginning didn't get any interest. You know, I think in just a little bit lower uh, water levels, I think it will. I think uh, or that or like you said, maybe throw a few. A little bit of lead above it on yeah, the yeah, a little bit of split shots yeah, mm-hmm. on your fly line just to get it down this a little is a more. Lot of some of them are in that creek. anything that yeah. isn't. If you have deer hair on the head, huh? Spider on your fucking well, microphone. If it doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> well, that one. If it doesn't, if it doesn't, that have, one had a dubbing head. Okay, what the fucker is going for your beard. It just dude. seems like it if it doesn't have a, <laughs> if it's deer hair and it doesn't have a head that's angled down, that's gonna dig you like a D and D or Sid or something like that. Uh, you know, you just, you, you don't get down as quickly as you want, unless you're going to, like, I throw, my other fly line usually is like an eight, nine, uh, foot leader and, you know, a large scalping, <laughs> you know, in a floating line. Cause then I can mend above where I want to be for a little while, leave that thing down there and then rip it back, you know, and make it kind of cut angles wherever you want it to do on certain holes. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to always say, hey, I want this rod, hey, I want that rod, hey, I want this rod. It but is, certain, especially with as fast as the water was ripping, the person rowing can't yeah, do it. Yeah, but in you certain know? times, like when you are going to stop and fish out a hole, like we did a few different times, didn't, you know, I think I think moving is always better, especially in that kind of current, just... Floating past and... Well, because you're giving your... You can't with... If you're standing there, as soon as you throw your fly it's in, swinging. You just, it, yeah, you're sw- you might as well just swing the fly the whole time. But if you're moving with your fly, your fly has time to drop, so you can actually mm-hmm. move your fly through, you know what I mean, and get it to move along with you in the current. I'm you 100% need to be, with you on that. You need to be mending the shit out of it, swinging it's hard. it also deep. It's, it's hard to swing deep. That is hard. You got to get you got to yes. get your line down there. It takes lead on your line. It takes a weighted fly. It takes you should be mending, swinging mending, for them, mending, trout. Mending, 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 for I, yeah. They they say well, you know a lot. Of, I I always find myself um, and Mark, you go right after me. Uh, I, I I like throwing upstream now and swimming back down to myself. It seems like I'm always gaining the depth I need. And if that brown trout's gonna hit, I'll feed it right to him, moving down the stream. He's gonna bash it anyway. I mean, if go you ahead. anchor, you just gotta you have the pretense knowing you're gonna swing, and that's where you can do a Jason. You throw out, then you're gonna fire a couple far upstream. To as you're gonna hold it right there and let it drift, can. and then you're gonna swing it down the whole way deep across it. Oh sure. Yeah. Guess what? When that thing's swinging like <clears throat> that, you're not feeding them like that. Don't think that fly is swinging like oh, this across. Oh, it's coming that. all the way. It's opposite. going like this. Oh yeah. And then once it hits about right down, almost to uh, let's say if you're staying here, you're throwing it. This is nine, so it's almost down to twelve o'clock below you. There you're going to start seeing that yeah, thing peter fall, out, fall. Yeah. and then it's going to tail is going to kick. But that whole first portion coming off the bank, it's it's swinging like this. Oh sure. Now, I know listeners can't almost hear ripping it, but, straight across, but it's coming straight across the side. It is not swinging that way down. That that line's bellied in, that current's pulling it, and it's shooting it across. A lot of the fish uh, that I got to move <clears throat> yesterday, I, I moved probably four or five fish. Yeah, and I was getting them cast out. Uh, all right, boat's going 12 o'clock downstream. I was casting like 10.30, 10.30. Big upstream end, big upstream end. 
let it set, let it set, let it set, let it set. About a half of the fly line that was on the water, downstream end. Let it swing out a little bit, then upstream end. And just, just making that fly zig and zag as it would as it would swing in front of the boat. But just downstream end, upstream end, downstream end. And then that's how I got probably four fish to move. Mm-hmm. And that's like I was telling you we were Maybe walking at the end you should just make one distinctive movement and just rip it. Well, that's just like to make him make like a seriously distinctive instead of the move, maybe make a distinctive like they have to do what they have to do. I'm well, just, I'm just, you know. Well, when when it would flutter back up into the shallow water at the edge of a pool, sometimes I would flick the line back out into the deep and let that fly shoot back out, like it was a minnow that came up into the shallows thinking it was safe and then going back out. I didn't get any action yesterday, but I have in the past doing stuff like that. Oh, sure. I think with trout, too, the longer you leave the line in the water, the better. Yeah. So, so oh, like yeah. whenever we were waiting a few days, that's so what I was telling you. I was holding it downstream, like below me, and then I let a little bit of line, like slack out. Oh, and yeah. And then I'd roll cast <laughs> it back over to the bank, and then swing the rod over, tap, 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 and pull it real quick, and then fire it back over in the middle. And when that thing raced back out to the middle, boom, there they'd be to whack it. Those crazy and, men's like that. And some yeah. of the, that, that could have been literally sometimes 45 seconds to a minute after I made that cast. But the fly had just been down below me. I just kept playing with it and messing with it. Because you know them fish are in there. Why keep just keep casting right <laughs> over it? Just sit and keep playing. One of them's going to come up in there sooner or later. Yeah, if you're in a spot where you know where they are, that's something you should do, for sure. You get the, it, you know what I've noticed, especially there, man, if you, we can, we weed out some of the smaller fish, and we could sit and we could nymph, and we could caught a lot more fish than we caught, but, man, you throw a big, big fly on, and it makes erratic movement, and it looks ugly as shit. Well, you could You know, feet. I wish I would have had, like, five of PJ's flies with me. All the ugliest flies the in the world. The ugliest flies in the world, dude. I would have taken five of those. Oh, sure, all day. Not, but like I said, d- I fished one of Justin's flies. I just don't think it was the right color. It was a different color. <sighs> Jason, you don't have to fish natural, bud. <laughs> I, I know was, you like your browns and your browns. This one was, white and, this one was white and silver I fished. Don't be shy, man. Throw that fire tagger. Throw that orange. I think. I think. This one. Well, I think with trout, you have to trick them first time. Don't come down here with that bullshit. I gotta fish it down at an angle. I gotta lay it right. It's gotta sit perfectly upstream on a strip. Now nah, you're too late already. You'll catch that fish with it with the right fly potentially, or the wrong fly, or a black fly probably. <laughs> you get it. Doesn't it matter what the fly is, you catch them with a better presentation. Get it. Get it to where right. you hope yes. that one can be, and not let them think about it. They're, they're they're creatures of habit. That's it. That's all. Speaking of that, I've noticed a lot of my flies aren't heavy enough. No, hell not no, for there. Not. No matter how heavy your fly line is, the flies aren't heavy enough. In that in that type of creek right there, not you to pursue are the action and presentation you and, want. But but then again, I do not like scalping helmets. I'm not throwing a scalping helmet. I'll yeah. throw a large dumbo eye. You would have to be throwing an yeah. eighth ounce. But to I like, have I like in that flies. creek, rather than like switching flies and doing this and that, you're almost better off giving, even even if you got to waste a little bit of water, for the right cast. Instead of wasting a cast, make sure because you, if you that see where that the fish right is going to ambush from, 
get it to where that proper present rather than just pick up, hurry up and throw, and then all of a sudden you're three foot out, and then you're trying to gather it real quick and try to get one out there. Get three cast in a yourself, good hole yeah. versus one yeah. or two. Get yeah. that yep. one that matters and think, okay, if he's going to ambush, where's he going to ambush from? With this fly I have on, here's what. Here's how long I'm going to need to have that fly to sit to get into that strike zone, and then i got to rip it quick past it. Where do I need to make that cast at? You're right. Rather than just boom, 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 bang, bang, bang. This isn't like we're busky fishing in the lake. You don't just no. go boom, 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 boom. Sometimes you might just have to pass up a cast or two to make the perfect one to catch that fish and get the proper presentation. Because it is. The current's always changing and every cast is different. You work every cast the same because you get in a groove. And then your fly's not fishing the same and you lost your presentation that catches the fish. I don't it's disagree. usually what happens there. Yeah. And if you take a second, take a breather, watch, watch, watch. There's the cast. There's where he's going to be. Boom, fire, men, wait, 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 wait. Rip, rip, boom. You're right where it should be because you anticipate it. You fished it right the way you should. You know what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to buy some tungsten cones and then fucking peg them like the bass fishermen do. That ain't a bad idea whatsoever. Plus, that's you're going to get a wrap on the line. There's an, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you know you, what else that's really good for? Tungsten. Small efficient lakes. Yeah. Use, just use your, are you talking yeah. like bass stops also, With, rubber stops? Rather than throwing no, a throw split shot there. on the front. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean one of them rubber stops you is... You throw one tungsten cone on, I it actually even know slides up and down the line. You could stop it, but I don't know. No, you, you could just slide. Yeah, that's slide. You throw that in front of any streamer you want, any deceiver, immediately you basically have a fly that's swimming now and the Vicious strike zone. I mean, you're yeah. going to guarantee to have a jigging style fly, but but and still, you unless can you're swim it. unless you're fishing like downstream leech style, you know, all the time, it undulates well on a downstream. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you trout fish in Alaska, some you Watch. know more more hanging Catfish more like that. <laughs> I well, that. well, if you, <laughs> they love that undulating downstream. You could definitely fish. I wouldn't say a a bigger fly. I'd say. Maybe a heavier fly, like materials-wise, with the, I don't know, zonker or something deep, really deep. You know what I mean? Just let it get You're going to hold a little higher with a zonker than you swing. would even a clouser, so yeah. yeah. I'm I'm talking the changers that I've all, I've tied with zero freaking weight on them that I can't fish in that trout stream because they don't... They would just go across the top and trout will look at them like, damn, that's a pretty nice changer. <laughs> cool, man. They get like an inch how many down, shanks? no matter how many... No matter you where you're at. You no know what? How many yep. Last time I fished there, that's what I did, is I ran about eight inches up the leader, and I threw split shot on with them white changers. And yeah. they fished great. They still had the same action you and everything, but I just threw split shot up above them. It's not and right I have there. mine keel-weighted, and they were even weighted on the shank. That's still not enough. Yeah. Because your, your front hook's so small, no. you don't have enough room to put... That is not enough for that green. You've got to throw the... You, if you're going to do it that way, you got to throw lead in front. Some serious. You gotta throw like some seriously heavy, heavy sink tip on top of. I was throwing. I was watching Justin throw a, a game changer there with. I mean, he had the same line I have. Mm-hmm. That intermediate. I know because I told you about it. Cause intermediate. That's what <laughs> with a heavy, heavy, way heavier sink tip than I had when I cut up my six weight he- tip than I had the other day. Heavier than that. Mm-hmm. Like a musky tip, it's like it's just so, something just to sink that thing to the bottom. That's and what that's I was how throwing last hits. time we, you and me and Mark went there. It's you know I have rolls of that. Sucks in my basement. To, it fucking sucks to throw though. Yeah, it does. That's why you just pick it up and slap it down. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's, that's all, all you, you can do. do. You don't cast it. 
Yeah. You feed enough uh, line out. Bob. You feed enough line out to tap the water behind you, and you slap it down over you. Yep. If it's a couple extra feet, feed a little more out on the back, tap the water, slap it down. A couple of men to get it upstream just that's a touch, it. and then that's it. You don't it. cast that crap. No. That's, you know. But I got rolls of that in the basement. If you ever want some, from T11 to 14 yeah. up to 20. To Probably. Everything. That 20 gets super dense, though. It's like this need some, need some 18 i'll take the 18 14 which 14, 14 there you the go for that p14 yep but plenty of that so you used to use for the spay fishing on the yeah whenever you guys are ready i i have nothing else all righty guys so tonight's show brought to us by predator fly gear check them out at predatorflygear.com yeti built for the wild sims fishing like i said all your summer gear Get your sandals, get your uh, wading uh, pants at simsfishing.com. Also, Why Not Fishing and their app, The Dock. Check them guys out. It's a platform to keep fishermen connected and potentially share some sweet stories like we got to hear tonight from our guest, John Driscoll. Thank you, sir. Uh, Check out A-Rex Hooks, A-Rex-Hooks.com. Queen City Guiding. Check them out, queencityguiding.com. Our buddy Ryan Evans. Anybody else? Did we get them all? Urban Fly Company. Check them out at urbanflycompany.com. <laughs> we are. Thank God we're back here. <laughs> I missed you, ugly son of a bitches. We're off next week. Brothers day. Okay. Hope you all survived the COVID.